welcome to the 236th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter. What is going on? By going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I've just started talking about 1987's Superman by John Byrne. So going back to some classic, classic, cool, uplifting Superman stories, kind of like from the beginning almost of his, his career. So it's really, really cool stuff. I recently talked about the Resident Evil live action movies. So you can hear all those. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash man for mech and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That is ko-fi.com slash gman for mech. And speaking of uh, <laughs> of needing help, it's like my uh, entertainment fish so, something I just had to renew something. I don't know if it's the domain or or what. Ugh, I don't. And I think I'm gonna have to upgrade my. I'm I'm almost out of like storage space for images from doing the awesome art picks. So uh, I could use some help <laughs> with this stuff. And um, I haven't really talked about it. I know I should be. What wait? What am I gonna talk about this week? The Batman, <laughs> Star Trek Picard is coming up. Then uh, the rest of the show: Severance, uh, Servant, Superman, Lois, Snowpiercer, comics. Um, but WonderCon's coming up, and I haven't really talked about it. I actually, I'm not even really sure what fully is going to be at WonderCon. So I like really need to think about. I I kind of feel like I I I, I hate to say it. I, I feel like I'm not going to make it to WonderCon this year. A couple factors. One obviously is is the money factor. Uh, I just I don't know. I mean, getting a hotel and a flight. You know, there, there's that to consider. But I don't know how much content I can get out of it to make it worth it. You know, while I would love to go and just hang out and, you know, do whatever, it's like, I, I can't afford to do that. I need to try to not, not that covering anything is going to, you know, bring me any income or anything like that, but it just, it makes it worth it a little more. I, I just, I don't, don't know. And then, you know, it's thinking, well, San Diego is going to be coming up pretty soon. And that is like a lot more expensive. So yeah, I don't I don't know, but I haven't really heard anything like I don't even know like who's going. You know, it's just so crazy with with just everything and you know what is going is it is it still safe? It feels like a lot of places are easing back on restrictions and and you know mask requirements, but I I just don't know if it's it's safe. So, we'll, we'll see. But let's talk about some news. Big news, I guess. The Marvel Netflix shows and Agents of Shield, they are where are they going? You can't watch them. You can't watch them anywhere in the United States. I, I saw a, a headline article. Basically, it, it felt like it was like an anti-Marvel, like, oh, Marvel, what a bunch of jerks. They're making it so you can't watch these shows anymore. It's like, no, that's not what it, what happened. Is you know, the the streaming rights ran out for the other things. And yeah, they could have turned it on right away but for whatever you know i don't know anyways it's gonna it's just a couple weeks that you have to wait you know, maybe more march 16th the netflix shows daredevil luke cage jessica jones iron fist and the defenders along with marvel's agents of shield will all be on disney plus 
Did I say March 16th? On March 16th. That, that's, I remember seeing another headline uh, before. I, I, I don't, don't know if it was the same outlet, but it's like it's same similar websites. We're just so angry. It's like, well, you hate everything. It's like, well, man, it's must suck that you're so unhappy. But they're like, is Disney going to censor their shows? They're trying to make it like, you know, yeah, censoring is bad. But they're they're trying to make it out like, oh, these evil Disney Plus people, they're they're going to censor our, our beloved shows. But, you know, the other thing is like with, with us not being able to watch Daredevil for the first time and however, how many people are actually watching? Was anyone like in the midst of rewatching? I would love to rewatch it. I don't know if I've said that. I feel like I said that recently. I would love to rewatch Daredevil. I just don't have the time because there's so much other stuff to watch. So, yeah, I've, at, at some point, I imagine I will rewatch it. And it's just like waiting two weeks. You can you can handle it. But and they're not censoring. Oh, so, yeah. So they're not going to censor it. They're apparently putting some new parental control locks. Or I don't. How is it going to be any different than anything? You know, kids not going to be able to bypass it. I mean, I guess it's up to the parents. It's like you need to understand that there is some stuff that's you know questionable here. So you need to make sure you have access to you know, logins or passcodes or anything like that if, if you want to protect your kids. So, you know, it's it's all there. That That's cool, I think. And I don't think, you know, some kids shouldn't see certain things, you know, and it, it there's, there's no rush. You know, it, the, the shows aren't, are clearly not going anywhere anytime soon. So you can wait. If, if you're not old enough, you can wait another year or two or five, whatever, just... Just be patient. Good things come to those who wait, right? Just like as we're waiting for Moon Knight, so they released another poster, and I'm doing air quotes. Uh, I don't know if it's an actual physical poster, but we had an image of Mr. Knight, so that that, that looks cool. And um, But I guess my concern is like six episodes, you know, origin, intro, and so we're going to have, not only are we going to have, you know, Stephen Grant, Mark Spector, Moon Knight, and now we're going to have Mr. Knight as well. You know, I guess poor Jake Lockley. <laughs> if they do Jake Lockley, is he still going to be a cabbie? Or is they going to make him like an Uber driver? <laughs> oh, that would be bad. But I am I am so excited about that. I, I was actually thinking today, I was like, maybe I should take off work that day. You know, Colin sick, or not Colin sick, I don't have to call in sick, I just take a day off. And you just get a sub that day so I can just watch Moon Knight. Because, you know, I could watch it at midnight. Ugh. We'll see. I don't know. Charlie Cox was talking about Daredevil. He thinks that he's like, I think a, a lighter tone Daredevil could work. You know, it, it doesn't have to always be already. And I fully agree. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, you can't do that. You can't water it down or whatever. And I think one of the things he said is like, you know, it works in a because if you look at the comics, the comics aren't are rated. You know, they, they've always been, you know, teen or whatever, you know. I mean, yeah, you can have a mature, maybe Electro Assassin might have been a mature, quote unquote, a mature comic. But Daredevil, you know, and the same thing goes for, for like Deadpool. You know, Deadpool has never been R-rated. Yeah, there was a one R-rated, I didn't, I didn't even think that was a good comic. But you could tone things down. I mean, and you look at the Batman, which we'll talk about later, that's PG-13 and it, it really pushes things. So I don't think, you know, you have to have hardcore anything all the time you know you you can you can lighten things up and you know there's other things to do i'm not saying that daredevil needs to be cracking jokes all the time but it'd be nice to see him you know smiling like a certain recent appearance was kind of nice spoiler i don't know 
Apparently, there was another trailer for Morbius. Final trailer. That that's coming. When's that coming? Is that like April? Is it April first? April fourth? April? Whatever. I'm not looking it up. That's coming out soon. I didn't watch the latest trailer I, at this point because again, it's like I don't want to watch another trailer. I don't want to see more footage of it. I just want to watch the movie. I don't need. You don't need to sell me. I'm I'm yeah, I'm, not, I'm not crazy about the idea of the movie. I'm gonna see it though. So and and I I saw something like like oh what is Michael Keaton's role? It was like we know who Michael Keaton is. I mean, maybe he's going to have a bigger role in a movie. Is that I, I saw some headline, something like insinuate, but it's like we know he's he was in the very first teaser trailer or whatever, which I didn't really like. I thought it'd be cool that he would be a surprise, but I guess you don't can't have surprises anymore. Um, so yeah, who knows? Speaking of surprises, this might be like kind of old news, and this is rumor. I don't usually talk rumor, and it could be spoiler, but again, I don't even know if it's there's any truth to, the, to this. So, 30 seconds, uh, spoiler coming up. Uh, and She-Hulk, supposedly, apparently, maybe, possibly, Howard the Duck is going to appear. Which, that could fit. Because, you know, there there has been some... I think he's appeared in the comics, I'm pretty sure, in the She-Hulk comic. But that, that could be a possibility. Um, okay, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm down with that. The only thing is, how did he get there from where we last saw him? That's that's a big question. Um, and then while I'm talking kind of potential spoilers, rumors or whatever. So here's another 30 seconds. You might, sorry, let's just get it out of the way. So this should be the only possible spoilers. All right. You ready? Okay. Obi-Wan. Pot. Now I saw some things like there could be a big cameo or whatever. Um, there's there's a rumor that there, part of the story might revolve around a 10 year old Princess Leia. That would make sense because I think I think it's confirmed that Jimmy Smith's is going to be Bail Organa. I'm pretty sure. I'm like almost like absolutely positive. So it would make sense that we could see that. And if it's anything like the book of Boba Fett, where all of a sudden let's just randomly segue to a totally different character. It's not the the tit tit titular. Is that what they say? The title character. Otherwise, it's like, what is it just going to be Obi-Wan in a desert, like six episodes or whatever? We'll see. What is it with Tatooine? It's, so many, it's supposed to be this wasteland place. Like everyone wants to go there. It's like, I thought that was part of the reason why they put Luke there, because no one goes there. It's like, an, wasn't it supposed to be in the Outer Rims, yet everyone's wanting to go there? I don't know. Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan. Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan have never done anything together, which is kind of surprising. Uh, supposedly, apparently, they may be both appearing in an I Am Legend sequel. Now, I'm trying to remember, how did I Am Legend end? Because wasn't the movie different than the book? Because I thought, spoiler, but I don't know if it's a spoiler or not. It depends on which one you're, 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 you're interested in. But I thought in one of them, the Will Smith character doesn't survive. Is that right? I don't even know anymore. Cause I, I remember the, the big gate at the end, but so, oh, okay. And uh, man, I, I just watched, I just, I feel like I just watched. I am legend within like during lockdown. So maybe it's going on two years. feels like it wasn't that long ago. So I'm, I'm trying to remember how it ends. And I, I remember watching when I watched it again, I, it's like, I like the movie. I, I you know, I, I thought it was, it was a good, Will Smith did a good job in it. I don't remember. I know it kind of leaves things hanging. 
I don't remember how exactly how much it's like, oh man, we need a sequel, but I guess it's fine. And they've been talking about it, doing a sequel. I think they're, they talked about doing a sequel and then and a prequel, but then neither happened. So we'll see. Uh, Craven the Hunter news. Uh, apparently, Alessandro Nivola is going to be in a movie. It's cast as a villain in Craven. Did you hear that? The villain cast as a villain in Craven the Hunter. Does that mean he's going to be Craven the Hunter? No, because uh, what's his name? Aaron Jason Taylor Thomas. What Timberlake? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but no, who who's he? You got a movie. You you have a movie focused centering around a villain, and you you're casting of it. So are they going to be like best friends? I don't think that's what they meant. What? That just sounds weird. Cast as a villain. It's like Craven Hunter's a villain. There's there's no no ifs anders or buts about it. Uh, remember that Quantum Leap show I was talking about? That's gonna happen. That's gonna be a, a Peacock original, right? Peacock. I don't want to pay for another another streaming service. But Peacock has cast uh, the lead. Is gonna be Raymond Lee. So he's gonna he's gonna take the place of as a time traveler dude. And this the series again is sent set 30 years after Sam Beckett, Scott Bakula's character, disappeared. So where the heck has he been for 30 years? Like, holy crap, if he's, like, stuck somewhere. I, the one thing I read, maybe I didn't read it, like, carefully enough, but it said that he's going to be, like, stuck in the 80s. It's like, is he only going to be in the 80s? I mean, it feels like you know he should kind of jump around because that's kind of what Quantum Leap did. You know, he was in all different eras. Or, no, wasn't it, wasn't it within his lifetime that he could only jump... Oh man, I haven't watched Quantum Leap so long. I like Quantum Leap, and yeah, so I it, it would be nice. And you know, they mentioned that Scott Bakula before was in negotiations to appear, but he's still not attached to it, so there's no confirmation. So maybe they're still working. But there's also uh, no no indication whether the, the what's his name Raymond Lee is going to have like uh, anyone to talk like the Dean Stockwell character to to talk to, or if he's just going to be on his own. So who knows. Peacock is also doing a Twisted Metal TV show. I think we talked about it before. So Anthony Mackie apparently is going to be the lead. He's going to be the, the John Doe guy. He wakes up with no memory and then he has to compete in this car battle <laughs> or competition. I don't know. I mean, the, the games were were fun for what they were. It's a series based around it. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to be. And uh, this might be older news, too. Did I mention Indiana Jones 5 rep production? I feel like that that's old news. Same thing with Haunted Mansion. I think they're saying that that is probably going to come out in 2023. You know, again, don't rush it if it's not ready. I, that, that, that's fine. And uh, Chucky Season 2 is going to be coming back this year. So they released like a teaser poster, and it's a 2022. So that's cool. And um, the last bit of news, I, I thought there was like comic news. I, I don't remember. But uh, Matt Reeves is talking about the Batman, which I'm going to talk more about that later. And he's like, there's no like other version of the movie. There's no, like no R-rated version that you know might be released later or whatever. It's like, we didn't have to cut anything, you know, all this stuff like that. He's like, he was going for a PG-13 movie and he's like, he knew that they're going to be pushing the boundaries and they they got what they they you know what they set out to do, and you know he's happy with the way it turned out. So there's not like just some extra footage, you know whatever 
So it's like, that's what you see, like how violent, you know, it, it, yeah, that's PG-13. That's what they wanted. So, and again, that's fine. Is, uh, you know, Batman's not dropping F-bombs or anything like that. And I think, so why would he? It's like, come on, man. As much as I love an R-rated movie, I don't feel it's like going to make or break a movie if it's not R-rated. And I know a lot of people are like, like, man, why isn't Batman R-rated? I want to see him. You know, he doesn't kill people. So what, he's going to beat up more people? He, he, he's brutal in this movie. But anyways, uh, that's going to be your brutal news for, for the week. With comic books at Image, Adventure Man issue eight. I need to get caught up on that. And what I realized, my, my hesitation, because I remember like with the first arc when there's like all these different characters. And, you know, my problem is always like, I want to know, I'm horrible with names, you know, with, with TV shows or whatever. So seeing all these different characters, I was like, man, I just want to know. I, I feel like I need a checklist. And even if they they mention the characters at the beginning and list them all, but then it's like, what am I going to like flip back and forth to do, you know, especially if I'm reading digital, then, you know, I got to try. So even I know that's, that's such a silly thing, but it's, it's like I want to know what the characters' names are, like who I'm looking at, especially if they mention like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to go meet up with Charlie or whatever. It's like, who, wait, who, who's Charlie? Is that that one? No, that's not Charlie. That's Brad. Anyways, uh, yeah, so Adventure Man 8. So I, I, I need to get caught up on that because I, I, I really like it. You know, I, I, I love Matt Fraction. I love Terry Dotson. So it's I'm assuming it's it's awesome. So I need to need to get caught up. Crossover issue twelve. Things are just getting crazier, crazier. So is it on the cover? I'm trying to remember what what the cover looked like. No, there's, there's okay, not on the regular cover. Anyways, so who appears in this issue? We get none other than actually. Let me look at the synopsis. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. So it's not even mentioned. So I may. I don't think it's a spoiler because it was. It was at the end of the last issue. So uh, Negan from The Walking Dead appears. And he's... Wait, maybe that is kind of a spoiler. <laughs> Anyways, he appears. He's uh, doing some things. And uh, yeah, he's going to confront like Robert Kirkman. So this comic's so weird. I, it's it's basically you know, comic characters in the real world. And yeah, and you know some people aren't really happy about certain things, and so that might have been a bit of a spoiler, but I, it's got to be out there. I I, I could have sworn he was on a cover, but maybe not. And there's some other things that happen, like Donnie Cates is in this issue too, and just, just weird, bizarre stuff. Did, I'm trying to think. There was someone else that's supposed to appear at the end, and I don't know if it, I, oh man, I t- I just like read the comic. I can't remember if there was like a cliffhanger who this other person was, or if they showed us. I don't. Feel like they didn't, but I, I could be wrong with that. But I'm I'm enjoying the comic, so I think you should be reading that. Magic Order Two Issue Five. I didn't read this. This is another comic. I feel like I feel like I just need to sit down and read. And and this is the same thing with with Adventure Man. Is there's so many characters here that it's like trying to keep track of who's who, and it's just kind of a deterrent for me. Is this just like a weird thing that I just need to get over? But part of it is like I'm I'm trying to juggle all these different characters and you know it's it's different I guess if it's like an Avengers comic or just because I you know I know all these characters but even though this is Magic Order 2 and these characters may have you know appeared in Magic Order the first one I just may not remember them but so I mean great art and uh you know the story is really interesting so you, you should be checking that out 
Uh, to me, You Loved in the Dark trade paperback came out, so you should check that out. Noctera issue eight. Things kind of kind of take a turn a little bit. So, you know, there's this Blacktop Bill character who is pretty, pretty, is like, speaking of like Negan, he's kind of like a Negan character. You know, he's he's like a big, big old jerk that is just brutal. So um, he, he's not a nice guy. And uh, there's a, a lot dealing with him. And he like makes kind of like his big decision. And, you know, because he's trying to get answers, like what's going on. And um, like the decision he makes, it's like, um... I don't know about that. And so it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from there. And then there is a comic Rogue Sun, number one, Rogue S-U-N. So this is by Ryan Parrott and um, Abel. The artist is named Abel, who did Harley Quinn and Crimes of Passion. So what this story was, I, I, I'm not really, I don't remember what made me read this. Uh, maybe it's just because it was number one, and I, you know, I, I like to try to check these out. Oh man, they go like straight to the spoilers in the in a synopsis. I mean, it's not really, really. Basically, so I'm just gonna read this. It's not really uh, spoil. I guess it kind of, but not really. Rebellious, rebellious teenager Dylan Siegel discovers that Rogue Son was his estranged father, Marcus. Oh, his estranged father, Marcus. <laughs> And that he's inherited his father's mantle. Jesus, it's spoilers. It's spoiling everything. Tasked with protecting our world from the forces of super... There better not spoil this other thing, like what happens at the end. Tasked with (laughs) protecting our world from the forces of supernatural and solving his father's murder, Dylan will be forced to come to terms with the man he spent the majority of his life hating. So basically, there's this kid living with his mom or whatever, and you know, dad's not around. And it it turned out his dad was a superhero, so that's kind of why he wasn't around. But there's there's a little bit more to it with with the dad. And anyways, so this kid, he's just he's you know he's a teen. He's he's angry at, at this dad who was was never there for him. And then he's gonna get there's other his dad ended up having like another family too. Like after his, his dad and mom got divorced or split up, then he ended up getting married again and having like other kids. So it's like, why is this kid Dylan getting the the mantle and the other ones? Are, so it, it should be interesting. And then it's, it's basically, you know, you have this, you're going to have this young new hero that's going to be trying to to deal with everything. So that, that could be interesting. So for a first issue, I mean, it, it was, it was fine. It was, it was good. You know, it introduces a character and, you know, you see what's going on, but uh, it'll be interesting to see where it's going to go, you know, from there, like this kind of sort of bigger superhero world that they're, they're trying to establish there. So it's, it's worth checking out at DC. We had world of Krypton issue four. I'm, I'm liking this more and more each issue. It's because when it first came out and I, I probably said this before, I was like, do we really need to go back to Krypton and, you know, explore things? I, I feel like we've seen enough stories you know it hasn't been maybe you know huge amounts of krypton comics or whatever but i feel like we've seen enough of life on krypton before it blew up we, you know we, we've seen stories with jor-el with zod but th- i'm just enjoying this and you know with uh robert venditti writing and uh, michael avon oming doing art i mean it's, it's just really I'm, I'm just really getting into it and you know just seeing more of 
knowing that the planet's destruction is possibly coming and with Zod trying to do things his way and then, you know, with the Phantom Zone recently created and just, so there's there's a lot of interesting things here. Um, War for Earth 3, issue one. I, I, I'm just not, not really digging this. And, you know, this is crossing over with, with a Suicide Squad. And I feel like there was a, was it this issue where there's a spoiler for something? I was like, oh, I guess I should have read something else first. I just, I'm just not really, I, I, it's like, what is Amanda Waller trying to do? You know, she's kidnap. basically she's trying to kidnap people from Earth 3 or whatever in order to use them in her possible new Task Force X or whatever. And it just, it's one thing, not that it's not even okay to take a prisoner and put a bomb in her head and make them do stuff. I mean, yeah, there, there's, there's a fact that you're, offering to reduce their sentence if they take these risks so they could choose that but it's almost like she's not really giving them a choice and everything and i don't know so i'm just i you know i love the suicide squad movie and i enjoyed the first suicide squad movie even though you know whatever i'm just i'm just not really feeling suicide squad as a comic anymore it's like i i just feel like I don't know. There's there's something missing. I I'm not sure what it would take for me to really enjoy a Suicide Squad comic. So maybe it's just not for me, which again is fine. What um, I am enjoying, what maybe this is for me, not just for me. One Star Squadron issue four. Man, did this this comic? It's it's so weird because it's funny. I, I would even say it can be hilarious at times, but it's also like such a downer as well because. The, the fact that these are like D-list heroes and they, they're forced, they're trying to work, you know, they, they need a job, you know, they need to make an income and they're just like not happy and they don't have any opportunities. So they're working for this company, this app that when someone needs a hero, they'll go there. So it's like, oh, you're gonna have a kid's birthday party. You need a hero to show up, you know, so you send a request and then you, you go out there and you make balloons or do whatever and... And yeah, and then then it's what was weird is that so Retronado is like managing the office, and then Power Girl is trying to sabotage him, get him fired. It's like why? I you know Power Girl's not that vicious, and and then the the board is thinking about selling the company because thing you know there are possible lawsuits or just loss of money, and so it's just it's just really really bizarre how how funny and and kind of dark it, it can get monkey prince 2 so i'm not super crazy about this it's interesting uh, i i don't know i mean so we have this kid and then he's discovering that there's this he has like these powers some connection to some other you know force thing where he turns into a monkey prince it's like wait what how's that happening what's going on you know, the, we have a weird, weird, weird fight with with Batman and, and Robin. Plus the fact that Damien is with with it's like Damien and and Batman. They don't team up. You know, it's like they hardly even talk to each other. So we have that. But then at one point, spoiler, Batman throws a battering and decapitates the Monkey Prince, and he doesn't even like feel bad about it. It's just like, oh crap! I just killed this who I, you know, I thought he was a bad guy. You know, he doesn't know who who this this creature is, bullying some kid, you know, in, in a locker room. So he thinks he's he's evil or bad at least. And and then obviously Monkey Prince is going to survive that. 
It's just like so weird. Uh, Justice League Incarnate issue five. Um, yeah, I just I don't know what it is about this. Maybe I'm just like burnt out on Dark Side. Uh, this comic is just weird, and, and you know, just also like just all this multiverse stuff. So it's it's just hard for me to get into that. Then we had Detective Comics 1055. Man, this weekly comic, this week, weekly series, is just, whew. it's good, you know, because it, we can, you know, it's like we're binging it. You know, we, we can enjoy it week after week. But, man, it's just keep up with it all. And, you know, Arkham Tower still, bad things are happening. It's, you know, losing control. And Psycho Pirate, you know, was controlling all the inmates. And he, that, that's not working. So it's, it's. Basically, this powder keg is going off. It's the fuse is lit, and uh, things aren't 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 going too well. Then there is uh... oh wait, okay, Dark Knights of Steel issue five did come out. Ah oh, man, I didn't read this, so I went went to look. I was like, wait, Dark Knights of Steel Gathering Storm. That was like collecting. I think it was the first three issues or something like that. So I was like, ah, oh, I thought there was a new issue coming out, but it was just a just reprint that puts them all together. <sighs> I didn't read that. that that's a bummer. Um, then there's Batman Killing Time. I I didn't. I feel like I was wasted time reading this. So it, it's kind of like earlier in Batman's. I don't know if they they necessarily make it clear when exactly this is. It's you know we we have Catwoman and Riddler and killer croc and penguin in here but i just yeah couldn't care so much batman 121 so there's more of lex and uh working with you know batman incorporated and you know batman went blind because there's this abyss character so it's like what what is lex plan how why does he want to try to control batman incorporated you know what's what's his game plan here and what's batman going to do about his eyesight and that why are you know is batman inc working for lex and working against batman it's like what is going on so we get some answers for all that and then justice league 73 so if you look at that cover it's like nowhere to run nowhere to hide naomi alone so wait what is this issue just about naomi it's like this this is justice league why is naomi on the justice league she's been a hero for like two days two weeks <laughs> something oh my goodness and then so it's, 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 she's not the only one in this comic so we, we have this chaos demon that's taking control of black adam they zatanna and, and dr fate you know they're demon they're, they're trying to defeat this dark lord entity whatever thing is not going well and then when it sees naomi it's like who are you what are you doing here what are you or something like that so of course there's something about naomi because she's like the most special character in the entire dc universe you know, there's so much importance to her i i don't understand it and i mean i enjoyed the the series and i enjoyed her appearance in in young justice but I don't understand why she's in, in Justice League. I was like, how did she get invited? And I, I remember that. It's like, oh, hey, you got powers. Why don't you come join us? But never mind all the other members of Young Justice who have been doing this for years and years and years. 
you know, at least in our eyes, you know, they don't need to, they don't care about them. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, that was a, I, I'm just kind of so confused, but good for Naomi. I mean, she has a good publicist, I guess that, you know, she, she got that gig. Oh, and then there's one part. She's like, wait, there's a basement of the hall of justice. And you know, cause that's where the, Oh, the other thing is the justice league dark is all, like all over this comic. And, for whatever reason, I just cannot get into Justice League Dark. I, I don't know what. There's like some, like, war. It's warding me away. It's like, I can't. It's like, ah, oh, I don't know. But <laughs> then she's, but she's like uh, confused or impressed by this basement library. And, you know, it's like, you st- weren't, weren't your parents down there when, you know, the, the Hall of Justice was getting attacked? Was, didn't she go down there too? I thought it was. It's, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm just forgetting things. So, uh, Amazing Spider-Man ninety-one. So we have uh, Peter and uh, what you call it, uh, Ben, <laughs> working side by side. They go to this place. What is behind door Z? So, man, Beyond. I don't know how Beyond's going to recover. It's like is Beyond just pure evil? Is there just like layers upon layers where maybe? Someone is taking advantage of certain things, and it's just, it's just not looking good. And yeah, so Beyond needs to go away. But as I mentioned before, I am really worried about what's going to happen to Ben. And if they do what I think they're going to do, I feel like they're going to change him. He's going to be, you know, instead of him being Scarlet Spider or Spider Man, he's just going to be whatever that black and white thing we saw in, in the comic cover previews. I don't know. Anyways, Avengers Forever issue three. So I'm I'm intrigued with this. You seeing these different versions. I'm still not like super. And maybe again, it's it's just this all this multiverse stuff that I'm just like I'm getting multiverse overload. You know, I love all the multiverse stuff that we're getting in the Marvel in the Marvel you know MCU movies and everything like that. But I just feel like there's just so much everywhere. And you know, because even with like Justice League Incarnate, we're we're getting that and. Anyway, so we have this Ant-Man version, this alternate version of Ant, Invincible Ant-Man, whatever you want to call him, and it's Tony Stark. So th- that that whole concept is just kind of fascinating. It's like, how did he get there? And you know, he's supposed to be this hero, but you know, he's still Tony Stark, so he still you know has his his issues and everything like that. But then with just everything that Robbie Reyes is going through, and I, what I'm really curious, I don't know if I mentioned this the last time that. With this uh, black skull guy, was that his name? Yeah, the black skull. He's trying to get some some questions or some answers out of out of Robbie, out of Ghost Rider, because you know he's he's seen so many different Ghost Riders, killed Ghost Riders, and everything like that. And Robbie's just like not talking, and he cuts off his foot finally. You know, he's just been working at it, and you know, trying to deal with Rob Ghost Riders' physics or you know, makeup, body makeup. So I wonder if he reverts back because you know he has to stay as ghost rider because as soon as he changes back he's toast but i wonder if that also means he's always going to be missing his foot or is that just ghost riders that's missing his foot so i guess that's the the big question of to who you know does what happened to ghost rider affect robbie i don't think it does because i feel like if if ghost rider not that that he can get like a black eye because you know he's got no muscles or mass, but yeah, I guess we'll have to see what what happens there. Okay, there was uh that Captain America Iron Man 
series issue four. I don't think I read the third issue. I definitely didn't read this one. So I'm not sure if it's like if it's gotten any better, but it just it wasn't wasn't really working for me. So and again, I think the main thing is because it's it's clearly out of continuity or maybe it is. I don't know. Daredevil Woman Without Fear issue three. So this one is pretty nuts. Uh, so more electrifying Craven and well, I actually my my one complaint about it, you know, because she's I, I feel like Electra, you know, she's such a badass, and you know, with all her ninja training and stuff like that, and you got Craven. I just you know I I I think I feel like I've already said all this last time. Where you know Craven's a formidable formidable. <laughs> I think I I said that I stumbled on that same word last time. Where, you know, he's a he's a tough villain, but I don't feel like he could quite hold his own against Electra. Anyway, so at one point, then you know, she kind of lures him away from all the people because there's just like all these people watching and just you know potential people that could be hurt and everything like that. And then she starts like using the shadows and using the fact that she's a ninja and starts to attack him. And so I thought that was cool when when all that started happening. But then the big kicker. When so this uh I forgot her name the this one the the one lady who Electra's friend who she was kind of working with when she started in the hand or whatever and who's trying to wanted her to to recruit Matt Murdock and all that so we see she's like reports to someone at the end and I'm like wait why is she report why is this person in charge of anything and. It's a big spoiler. I don't think it's, I don't know if it's mentioned in the solicitor for the next issue. We'll just say it's someone that has a skull related um, design under outfit and that they've recently had that skull redesigned. And I was like, why, why are they involved? <laughs> why did they have anything to do with an electric comic? I, I really don't know. So We'll have to see. And I, I hate, I do not like that new design. It just, it looks so bizarre, but we'll see what happens. And then we have Devil's Reign, Spider-Man issue one. And my, what's my big problem with this is this takes place like five issues of, of Spider-Man ago or something like that. So there, there's already, yeah. So with, with that, I feel like nothing major can happen there can be like no major developments because we've already seen ben after this battle so we know obviously he's going to survive this and get away from it or anything the only interesting thing is that you know uh the rose is is back and kind of trying to make a stand and you know whatever do something against spider-man and try to impress his dad still and stuff like that so that was that was okay but it's just too bad that this didn't come out before or I don't know. And then there's Devil's Reign X-Men issue two. So this is great. It's Jerry Duggan, Phil Noto. So, I mean, it's really, really nice. But we get like a flashback with Emma Frost and and she recruits Electra. So we're, we're seeing, you know, Kingpin is trying to use, because he's such a jerk. And, you know, he the only way he can win anything is by taking cheap shots and like basically cheating, cutting corners. So he, he has some information against Emma Frost and there was this girl who went missing and, you know, basically, I was like, what was the story? It's like her, 
you know, she was in the foster system and then, you know, things were, were just bad. And so Emma kind of rescued her in a way. And it's like, you know, there's nowhere for her to go. So she probably set her up, you know, to, to have a nice life or something like that. But somehow Kingpin got a picture of Emma walking, you know, taking a girl into like a limo. So it's like this girl who is missing is, you know, everyone thinks she's dead, but you know, she has no parents or anything like that. So he's trying to use that against her and whatever. Kingpin's just such a, such a jerk. Oh, and then who goes to, or she goes to London that try to get, get some information and then she's attacked and yeah. So always something going on. Fantastic Four 41. So this is more of this reckoning stuff. And the, the nice thing here is we see a human torch, Johnny going up against Annihilus again. So I, I still remember when human torch supposedly died in a negative zone. And, and uh, yeah, so, and then it's more like Ben fighting this lady who, you know, his vision that he saw when they're at the end, he saw like the end of his life. So he's supposed to die fighting this lady. So it, this could be it and everything. And, you know, Reed's mentioned that, you know, he's probably going to be dying soon because, you know, he has all the answers to everything, you know, when he absorbed or Watcher's memories. And speaking of the Watcher, Uatu goes to the Watcher Council trying to say, you know, we need to do something that, you know, because we put our weapons in, you know, people's hands before now they're causing all this stuff and it's going to destroy everything. And But they're like, no, we can't do anything. So he gets in trouble. Which is silly. Moon Knight issue nine. This was a bizarre issue. I'm, I'm curious what this. Okay, the solicit says mazes have one of two purposes: to keep people out or to keep people in. An unnatural labyrinth has swallowed up people under Moon Knight's protection. But how do you fight a maze? How do you kill a labyrinth? And will Moon Knight emerge victorious, or will his body and mind be broken by the fifth floor? It, in some ways, you know, having recently, having just watched Archive 81, there's like one thing that kind of reminded me about that. Because with Archive 81, it's like, you know, don't go to the sixth floor. Uh, so, and I, I love the show and I cannot wait for the second show. So that kind of reminded me a little bit of that. But in a way, it's like, so there's this labyrinth, but it's kind of like the labyrinth is alive. So that's all I'll say about that. And then it's, it's an interesting outcome, like what that means. And I'm down with it. I'm okay. I, I think this is going to be cool to see where this goes and how this will affect the series. Then we have She-Hulk issue two. So She-Hulk is uh, trying, you know, back to being a lawyer and she's staying at an apartment that Janet Van Dyne had, you know, she's not using it or anything like that. And then Jack of Heart comes in. So what's weird about this is... Jack of Hearts. Oh, so Jack of Hearts has been in Fantastic Four and in, in this big reckoning thing and She-Hulk. So what's weird is because Jack of Hearts appeared in the first issue of She-Hulk last month. And, you know, because he we, everyone thought he was dead. It's like suddenly he's back. And so here, like he's still kind of trying to figure out, you know, he doesn't even know where what's happened to him, where he's been or what, you know, how he's back. But then in Fantastic Four, it's, it's like, you know, he's been back for a while. So slight little whatever mismatch of continuity but that's okay and this issue so it's it's uh, yeah i'm 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 digging this and seeing getting you know wanda or wanda why did i say wanda getting jen back as being a lawyer and how they're gonna 
what because like what are you gonna do with her because I, I feel like for a while she hulk has kind of been all over the place and like almost like directionless you know because like when she became hulk and just more savage and there's not i feel like a big part of her is the fact that she's a lawyer and and so I, I'd, I'd love to see her, her character not not develop i mean she doesn't need to be developed developed anymore but i just to be utilized properly so i'm, I'm hoping that this these two issues is, is a good start to what's going to be a long series. And we have, speaking of long, so Spider-Woman has hit issue 20, so that's good. Um, what's interesting about this one, they, they blatantly say that, okay, there's there's not going to be a whole lot of action in, in this, this issue. And that is totally fine because, you know, there has been a lot of crazy things going on. And here we have the anti-Iraq 9, which is like a weird name. So all these people who basically hate Spider Woman are are trying to form a new team. New te- they're almost doing like interviews. It's like, okay, who's going to be on this team, and you know who qualifies, who hates her enough, who has enough abilities, and some people kind of go like on an interview, have to go and, and try to deal with her, and you know it doesn't go too well. And but also Jessica's is thinking about going to Madripoor and you know start up a. I don't know if if she's going to start her or do to her invest she's thinking about going back to being a private eye or, you know, private investigator. You know, there's, there's something that she and her friend need to do in Madripoor. So they're, they're headed there for a bit. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where, where they go. Star Wars issue 21. Um, we, we see more about Shara, uh, Poe Dameron's mom, where she's when like undercover in this mission, not really undercover. I mean, she's basically, on a star destroyer and, and she's like hiding under and trying to get like information and send it back. But, uh, her secret, her cover might not last for too long. So, and then, uh, Poe Dameron's dad, he's just like, oh, you know, we need to go get her. We know where she's at now. You know, her mission should be over. So he's going to try to launch, he's going to go against orders and, and try to rescue her. So, We'll see how how that goes. Um, other Star Wars books came out. There was Star Wars: The High Republic, Eye of the Storm, Issue Two. I'm curious about this one. You know, having listened to the audiobook of Charles Soule's High Republic book, and you know, seeing that the Nihil and this um, the I, you know, whatever Marchian. Um, I didn't read this issue, but I'm I'm curious about that. And then there's Star Wars regular Star Wars: High Republic, Issue Fifteen. I'm slowly, I'm trying to get invested in these characters. I'm not super crazy about them just yet, but so I'll have to check those, those comics out. Then there was strange issue one. I should talk about this earlier. I, I really enjoyed this. So just Jed McKay wrote, wrote the book and um, Marcelo for Ferreira does the, the art and um, surprise Dr. Strange is still dead. So Dr. Strange died. He came back, but he's still dead or something. So he kind of bequeathed the Sorcerer Supreme title to Clea, who's still, I guess, technically his wife somehow or something. I don't understand how, like, or whatever. So she's the new Sorcerer Supreme. And I have to say, it's probably because of Jed McKay's writing. It's like, I'm totally down with it. Like, when when, when they spoiled that she was going to be the new Sorcerer Supreme, like, at issue two or whatever of the Death of Doctor Strange story arc... I was just, I was like, okay, whatever. But there, there's something about it. And, you know, so I've been enjoying Jed McKay, the way he's been writing Catwoman. 
I don't know, there's something about it. And so I, I just really liked the fact that, you know, with her background and everything and she's going to do things a little differently. So she's, you know, she's, it's, it's not like, let's just make a female Dr. Strange. It's like, no, it's, it's a little different than that. So I'm, I'm really curious to see where this is going to go. And, and I assume doc, you know, Steven's going to be back at some point. It seems a little silly that they're going to, they kill him off when he's going to have his sequel, his you know big movie coming out soon. But I think it's, isn't it soon? When is that movie coming out? Is that the next one coming out? But I'm just really enjoying it. So I really recommend, you know, if, if you like Doctor Strange at all, if you've read any of the comics that you should check out Clea or, or not Clea, Strange number one. And oh, and as far as the title, because, you know, she was saying how her her people don't have last names. So she's like, she might as well just, you know, take Stevens, you know, since they're married or whatever. The thing, issue five, this has been such a, a weird series so it's by walter mosley and then tom riley does the art i'm totally totally digging the art I, i'm really enjoying it but there's so, so many weird things and you know he's ben's been going through some these weird missions with this he, he kind of joined up with this little boy and this woman but it's like neither one of them are who or what they seem to be you know there, there's obviously something more going on there and you know we're, we're seeing more just weird things going on. So it's like, and I don't really know where this fits in, in the continuity of everything. And it, I would have liked to seen like, Oh, this takes place, you know, after fantastic four, one fifty six, or, you know, something like that, because, you know, Ben and Alicia aren't married here. So obviously this is, you know, way out of continuity, but I guess, you know, it doesn't really matter because I'm enjoying the series, but it would just be nice to know where exactly it kind of fits in. Then there is what if, what if Miles Morales issue one, what if uh, Miles Morales became Captain America, and um, I I kind of didn't really care about this comic so much. It's you know I I like a good what if I I don't know if it's maybe just what if overload, but with this I mean I guess there's some parts that are, that are okay with the story. But it just, it seemed weird how Miles is just kind of shoved into the fact that, you know, he's going to be, have access to becoming Captain America. You know, somehow he's going to become exposed to the super soldier serum. And even, and the way it happened was kind of, kind of silly-ish. So, I I don't know. It, it's basically like, hey people like miles morales let's make him captain america what if he's captain america let's see and i think in the other issues to come he's going to be like what if he's wolverine or what if he's iron man i don't know what they're going to do but we have that coming up and then there's x-men issue nine so this is is dealing more with uh just this crazy stuff going on with Krakoa dealing with uh, what's that? That dude that's uh, trying to cause problems for mutants and you know humanity against mutants and everything like that, and uh, just you know the X Men trying trying to deal with that, and uh, it, it was okay, okay issue I think. So 
my problem now, you know, we're having these different X-Men books in it, but it's like, it almost feels like there's too much stuff going on because what we have going on here and then, uh, the X whatever lives of Wolverine and the Moira McTaggart stuff. It's because, you know, there's like no real mention of Moira here, but I guess, you know, it doesn't really matter, but it's just, I don't know. I mean, you know, me and, and continuity. So with that, that is going to be it for comics this week. Okay. Then with Snowpiercer season three, episode six, born to bleed. So it starts off with Pike narrating, He's talking about how people say time heals all wounds, but there's one person on Snowpiercer who won't let his wounds close. So we see a flashback of him setting off the little firebomb with the remote. He says that like it's in his nature to provoke people, I guess. So or the thing that he smashed last week, I was like, what what was that thing? So that was the remote. So he just, you know, stomped on it, whatever. Then we see Ruth is at his bunk and she says that, you know, she because he like wakes wakes up or something like that and she said that she was thinking about their time together you know maybe she made the wrong choice and he's like oh don't say that but then strong boy is sitting there too even though he's dead and he punches pike and starts choking him so this was all a dream and then um z and this one lady i'm not sure who this, this lady was i don't remember but she they're they like wake up they're like someone tried to kill layton and then he's like tried is he okay because you know he probably thought and was hoping that he was dead and then Z's like, you know, Leighton wants to see all of us. So they walk to the meeting place and Z's like, you know, whoever did this is a coward. He's like, in the tail, you fight face to face. And Pike's like, well, you know, Leighton isn't really a taily anymore. And Z's like, once a taily, always a taily. So Pike narrates how, you know, Leighton's moved from the pain he inf inflicted or whatever. And then they're still dealing with things. So is, is he like jealous that he left? But, you know, he became like, you know, took over the train. I don't know. So Pike's, um, oh, and then, so he, you know, he's going to have people standing guard and Pike is going to be like one of, he puts, Pike is like watching over Zara and, and their daughter now. So then Ruth checks in on Roche. So he's locked up in this padded room and she's like, you know, we need you. She's like, there's been an attempt on Andre's life. And she's like, you know, your daughter needs you too. And he's like, no, she doesn't. And he thinks, uh, like what Wilford did to him and his family. And he says that, you know, the longer he feels, or she says that the longer he feels this way, the longer Wilford's going to win. So she's basically like, dude, get over it. Till talks to Sykes, uh, and she mentions that the ammonia nitrate that's been missing, that there's like two bricks, and she's like, you only need like half a brick to make a bomb that size, so the person could have three more bombs ready to go, or maybe like just one big bomb. Then Leighton, you know, he checks, he gets checked out by the doc. Uh, he says he feels fine, but I, I apparently he had a concussion. And when she leaves, uh, you know, Pike talks to him. Leighton says that he's like, oh, it's a special kind of psycho to try to kill me on the day my daughter's born. And Leighton thinks that it, somehow Wilford was involved. So even though Wilford's like in his coma, he thinks that he had something to do with it. Josie is eating with Miles. So we haven't seen Miles in a while. And, you know, because it's pretty much since he became an engineer apprentice. I don't know. Where is he He going to this? And now that the train is like one, is she still not seeing? Maybe she's been seeing him. I don't know. Till questions this lady lights about the a fertilizer bomb that was made during year three. So And she's like, I just want to know who made them, who knows how. So she has this little book with recipes and she like pulls it out and from, you know, wherever it's, it's stored. And she noticed that some pages are torn out. So someone took her book of recipes in order to see how to make the bomb, which we, obviously we know it's Pike. Zara asked Pike if um, 
she's like, you know, cause she's like kind of rocking the baby. And she's like, do you want to hold baby? He's like, no, no, no. He's, he's like, I'm, you know, whatever. One of those people who, you know, rather not, she convinces him then he's like holding her and you can kind of see it. She's like, Oh, she's beautiful. And then, you know, Layton comes up and she's like, they're like, yeah, her name is Liana. And he's like, Liana. And he's like, they're like, yeah, it came from the naming trees. It's a third class tradition. He's like, well, what about the, the Taylor tradition of near a city? And Layton's like, Liana suited her. So obviously, you know, Pike is going to be upset by this, that, you know, he's, you know, turning his back against Taylor tradition or something like that. So then Till calls Layton and she mentions the recipe book stolen from Light's cookbook. And she says that, you know, only members of the, the Taylor War Council knew about it. And he's like, and most of us are dead. So she, Till's like that narrows the suspect list down. And then this was like such a stupid part. So, you know, Pike is still holding Liana. And then so while Till's talking to him on the phone, then he turns around. And he's like, he's here. And then Till's like, I'm coming. And she starts running there. So it's like, you should just like act like you don't suspect anything. But he makes it pretty obvious, which was just stupid. So then Zara asks Pike for the baby. And she's on one side, Leighton's on the other. And Leighton's like, just, you know, give her to Zara's and we can talk about the rest. And then she like moves towards Pike and he like hold, he's like holding her up. And then Leighton like, you know, grabs Zara and he's like trying to reason with Pike. And he's like, this is between the two of us and everything. So finally he thrusts Leanna at at Leighton and he runs out the side door and you know so they check on Leanna she's fine and Zara goes like go kill that maniac so there's a chase you know running through different cars or anything like that and Pike goes on this ladder to like the you know lower level whatever and when Leighton goes down Pike grabs him like flings him down and like knocks him out it's probably because of concussion it's like you know he, he can't be banged around so much and then so Pike like walks right by Z and the lady, you know, he's like, oh, they forgot their diapers or whatever like that. So he just like walks through the tail section to, to go get him. And so no one suspects, no one has any idea like what he's done. Alex is in the dining cart and she noticed Roche's daughter sitting there and she tries talking to her, but she, you know, she doesn't seem too, too keen on that. And then, but Alex keeps pushing whatever. And she, she's like, I know you think I'm a, I'm a Wilfordite, but I'm not. And she's like, you know, I don't, blame your dad for trying to kill him. And the Rosh's daughter's like, well, I do because he failed. And Alex's like, he made it too complicated. She's like, when I tried to kill him, I, I kept it simple, a blade to his cardioid artery. And then that like gets her attention. She's like, what? You know, that she tried to kill him. Till tells Leighton and Zara that she has Brakeman keeping an eye out for Pike. And Zara says that, you know, he, she tells Leighton, she's like, you need to make an announcement and get his name out. And Leighton's like, he's armed and he's agitated. She's like, you know, we can't have him thinking everyone is his enemy. Audrey talks to LJ about the deal they had about her getting in to see Wilford. And Audrey's like, well, I'm banned from first. And then this guard says, you know, that I guess works for LJ or whatever, or with her says that he can get her in for 30 minutes. And she's like, how? And he like holds out some cuffs. So LJ wants his pouch in return. So this is like her payment. And then so Audrey was like, fine. So she gives it to her and it's her dad's like glass eye her spare eye or something like that. And then she like takes that. She's like, oh, I never thought I'd see it again. And she kind of like rubs it on her lips. And then she sticks it in her mouth. Because that was like the weird thing. Uh, putting a glass eye in her mouth. So weird. Um, the guard brings Audrey in cuffs and this other brakeman. She's like, oh, are you sure? And he's like, just open the door and, you know, you know, turn away. and Mind your own business type of thing. He's in like the library. He's like sitting in a wheelchair, Wilford. And he's like a little dazed and everything. So 
he when he sees Audrey tries getting up and he like falls back in his chair and then she's like someone tried to kill Leighton he's vulnerable and she's like the train needs you and she wants to like walk out of there right now and he like pulls away and she's like what's wrong and he's like suspension it, it was hell an endless death dream and he's he's like I just want to hold you whatever so Ruth talks to a brakeman and asks why she wasn't told about the checkpoints and then she's like well we just got our orders but we know who did it and ruth's like who and the the brakeman's like oh it's a tailie named pike and ruth just like nah she's like right okay pike is down below below and like uh, just hiding he, he has this like secret room with like the all the bomb stuff that he's he's making he goes down there but there's someone with like a mask and a sharp pole so it's like wait is that asha it's like what's she doing down there Leighton finds the recipe pages and like a uh, rip in a mattress and pike's room ruth comes in she's like oh i was you know just here to talk to him and she's like you know we spent six months together you know we formed a bond and then Leighton shows her the recipe pages and asks it's like you know where he would have gone and she's like no he's like well if, if he contacts you he's like don't talk to him you know just let it let us know asha takes off her helmet and he recognized her as a new eden girl whatever and he's like you know who are you hiding from and he's like what there's too many people and she's like oh it's too many dynamics so he pulls out a pipe and says, uh, it's like, oh, I was wondering who, or she sees all the bomb stuff. She's like, I was wondering who those belong to. So she recognizes like the ammonium nitrate and all the stuff like that. He's like, oh, now you've changed the dynamics. So Asha's like eight years living a hole and you're not even the scariest thing I faced. And then, you know, he says, that's funny because, you know, Leighton's new Eden, whatever is supposed to be sunshine and all the stuff like that. So he's obviously by her saying, you know, living in a darkness or, you know, just whatever she's seen. So he knows that there's, there's something up with that. So Leighton talks to the Tailies and he shows him like the, the recipe in Pike's room. You know, they don't want to hear, you know, cause they're like, you know, he's the one who tried to, to kill, you know, if, if he is or whatever, you know, they, they, they don't believe it. Z's like, no way, man. And they tell Leighton, he's like, Pike fought for you and all this stuff. Like Leighton's like, well, things change until like, you know, if anyone's seen him or had contact with him, you know, let us know. And then um, Z just like crosses his arm and people are looking away. Then Z's like, so what are we just supposed to offer him up if, you know, he comes to us? Until mentions like he has enough nitrate to blow us off the track. And Leighton says, you know, Taylor or not, it's like Pike brought this on himself. It's like, so if you see him, bring him in. That's an order. But they're just like, yeah. Ruth knocks on a on door. It's Pike and Asha talking about like her situation, whatever. And then Asha tells ruth that like oh he you know he set off the bomb and ruth like it's complicated and then she asks pike she's like why are you doing this you know you're we're about to get off and get a fresh start and you're ruining it and pike's like good he's like you know layton's not the only one telling stories and she's like you know it's not too late she's like you know turn yourself into me right now and then he's just like you know oh we had a good time or whatever he's like fighting wilford for the people you know it was pure you know wilford was evil he's like we were good and she whispers and she's like please tell me you're not doing this for me and then he like walks away. So it's like, wait, did he just make another bomb? I was like, what did he just do? So Audrey tells Wilford that he's not being himself. He mentions how Alex came and read to him. And she's like, that's because they wanted your mind strong. They still need you. And then he mentions the theory about like the warm spot. And she's like, it's just a maneuver to get them off the train, you know, your train. And Wilford says that, you know, the science has merit. And she's like, well, you always said science is wasted without power. So he stammers and you know, says like, you know, maybe there's an easier way. It's like, you know, they could get off together. And she's like, stop. It's like, we need to fight this. And he's like, I'm not a young man anymore. And she's like, I fought 
you know, for you. He's like, I sat in a cage for six months and, you know, she never said anything. And now he just wants to join them. And he's like, he's like, well, we have each other. And so she picks up her coat. She, she says, she's just like, whatever. So she's like, yells to the guard. She's like, I'm done. And she just wants out. So Roche's daughter says that, you know, if the freeze never happened, you know, she's talking to Alex. She's like, you know, we'd be graduating, you know, planning our gap year and stuff. And Alex's like, what's a gap year? So, you know, I guess her mom told her. Alex asks, he's like, have you seen your dad? And she's like, why would she? And she's, Alex's like, because he's here. And then his, his, Roche's daughter's like, well, you know, I, I couldn't get in anyways. Alex's like, yeah, I could get you in. So Ruth is talking to Leighton, Till, and Zara about Pike. Till says that, you know, she wasn't supposed to go talk to him. She was supposed to call them. But she's like, what, and corner a man with a bomb? Leighton's like, okay, fine. You know, where would he go next? And she says that he knows every crawl space and cubby on the train. If he wants to stay hidden, he will. Josie and Miles comes and talk to Leighton and, you know, he's like, yeah, go ahead. You know, everyone here can hear what you have to say. So she says that she may have a way to get through to Pike, old Ivan's way. And Miles, he's like, there was their way to settle things, you know, sit in a room, you know, looking eye to eye until it's resolved. Ruth's like, why would Pike agree? And and Leighton's like, Taylor pride. So he's like, tradition cuts deep. And Zara's like, you left out the part where if the two parties can't agree, they fight to the death. So the psychiatrist tells Alex that Roche requested no more visitors, you know, he, and he doesn't answer that the, the psychiatrist says, you know, he doesn't answer to engineering. So then she's like, wait, he's like, where are you? You're in second class, right? He's like, what section? And she's like, I think I heard they might be having heating problems. You know, it'd be a shame if they had to send a team in, you know, it gets loud and wet. And so finally he gives in. So Roche's daughter, Carly, tells Alex, she's like, oh, you're a beast or whatever. And she's like, that was my first extortion. And then she's like, do you want me to come with? And Carly's like, no. She's like, I, I can do this. So she goes into Roche's cell and he's like, Carly, you shouldn't be here. And she's like, why are you doing this? And she's like, just tell a doctor what he wants to hear and come home. And he says that he can't be there. He's got this anger inside him. You know, without her mom, he just doesn't know what to do with it. She used to keep him in check, you know, just as he was about to explode. You know, she would just know. And you know, he would just have to look at her. And so when Carly gets closer, like kneels on the floor. She's like, look at me. She's like, I'll do that. He's like, oh, it's not your job. He's like, you're a woman now. You know, you need to find your own way. She's like, I know that, but I still need you. She's like, come home, please. And he, she takes his hand, they hug. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. So Leighton says Pike's not going to make this easy. Zara says, you know, they could just buy him off, you know, give him whatever he thinks he's, he wants. And she says that, you know, they just need to get their daughter to New Eden and get off the train. So Leighton gets on a comm and calls out the pike. He's like, if you're listening, brother, I need you to hear me. So Taylor's set up like a chair and a table. Till has a drink. LJ rolls the eye back and forth in her mouth. And Till's like, you're a freaking weirdo. <laughs> so Pike shows up with his bomb. There's a big stare down. Ruth asks if he's ready. He's like, well, I'm here, aren't I? So he hands the bomb over to Ruth. And then he says that, you know, he, he doesn't think she wants to stick around for it because it, it's a, a Taley thing. So he walks past the Taley's, he faces Leighton, Josie recites the rules, you know, they sit until they settle things. There's It's not bloodshed, it's supposed to strengthen them, their bond or whatever. And, you know, they sit there until there's a handshake punishment or compensation. So both choose peace or both choose blood. So Ruth goes later. She knocks on Roche's door. Till and Carly um, are there. Uh, he invites her in, and he's like, oh, you know, I owe you one or whatever. 
Pike stares at Leighton. Leighton mentions that, you know, he tried to kill him the day his daughter's born. He's like, I know. And then he's like, you know, the more I thought about it, the better it got. And Pike mentions how, you know, he saved him from the hanging and then he used him to be his errand boy. And Leighton's like, you're right. I used you, but that doesn't mean I don't love you. He's like, I want you to stand up and be better because your heart is good. When things got bad, you know, you did my dirty work for me. And he's like, so what do you want? And Pike's like, the knives. And Leighton says, he's like, come on. He's like, you're willing. To, he's like, I'm willing to put all this behind us. He's like, in the new world. He's like, you know, what What do you want to be? And Pike's like, are you kidding me? He's like, just call for the knives. And Leighton gets loud. He's like, you tried to orphan my kid. He's like, I'm going to forget all that and push it down. So he's willing to take the loss, just like loss is like, you know, strong boy and the others. He's like, that's on me. He's like, a clean slate's not good enough for you. And you know, he's like, what do you want? A first-class cabin? Pike just shakes his head. He's like, look at all the power you have. You can just offer me the world. He says that the tale needs justice. And so it's like, basically, what can Leighton offer Pike? Leighton says that you know, he just wants, he's like, he wants him to be godfather to Leanna. And Pike kind of scoffs. And Leighton's like, I'm serious. He's like, your family, you know, that's respect. And he just like shakes his head. He's like, you know, whose respect does he want? You know, Ruth's? And Pike's like, don't. And, you know, like, don't mention Ruth. He asks Leighton if he, he's like, what do you think? You know, she's too good for me now. And Leighton says, he's like, well, you're proving that right now. And then Leighton says, you know, he's like, hold up. He's like, did you want her to take over when I was dead? And Pike's like, she deserves it. You know, she'd step up if you were gone. She's that kind of person. And Leighton says he takes on the role of Godfather and all is forgiven. Pike just like shakes his head. He's like, that's beautiful and real. And I could almost see it if I didn't see through it. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, he spent some quality time with Asha today. He's like, he found her hiding in the dark. He's like, I guess I'm not the only person who didn't want saving. So he knew the first time he saw her that it was a lie. And Leighton's like, did you tell anyone else? And Pike's like, he's like, he, he's like, all you just care about is a political system. So Pike's like, I'll let you, you know, keep living the lie and lead us to the promised land if you call for the knives. So Leighton calls Josie. He's like, bring the knives. There's these two little blades are put on the table. Pike lunges at, at Leighton, knocks him down. They start, you know, blaming each other, whatever, all this stuff like that. They're punching each other, like slamming each other against the walls. Zara tries to stop it, but, you know, Pike picks up a knife. So does Leighton, swinging, slashing. Leighton gets like a cut in his arm. And then, then they like lock up. They're all hold, like real close to each other. Pike slams his head against the wall, hits him over and over like a wooden chessboard. And he's like getting these, Leighton's getting like flashes, like future and past flashes or, you know, whatever weird stuff. Then Zara like hands a baby over to someone, like fights to, to get closer to her. And she like calls out to Leighton. There's more fighting. Leighton then stabs Pike in the chest. And then they fall in each other's arms. And then Pike whispers, I hope you find it frozen. And they both fall over. Then later, Leighton washes up, cleans Pike's body, wraps him in a sheet. And then like the tailies like walk by to say their goodbyes. Winnie gives him like a stuffed doll. Ruth says she's sorry. And Leighton's like left alone with him. And he gets more flashes of, of them in Eden. And then he collapses. He passes out. So it's again, that concussion. He's been banged way too many times. Oh, no more Pike, I guess. Okay, that's fine you know, whatever his, his, his problem was. But what's going to be a problem for me is next week, it's going to be like a big dream episode. So uh, I guess Layton's going to be in a coma 
and he's having like weird dreams of you know possible futures i think he's gonna see his daughter when she's older and it's it's, it's probably gonna be like a worthless episode because then at the end i'll be like oh i'm awake and none of that happened but maybe it'll change him who knows so that was the episode all right, with Superman season two, episode six, tried and true. So we see like Bizarro, like this rundown house or something like that. And he has a cat, I think. It's like, are there kids? Because it's probably like uh, Jonathan Jordan. You see like some pictures. There's a bunch of newspapers everywhere. And then like outside, it's like there's like a red sun. So it's like, did something happen? Or is that just what the planet's like? Because since it's inverted, he puts on some sort of like big spacesuit or something like that. Inhales something, maybe yellow K. I don't know. And then we see these soldiers like attack him and they're like, he's like in this corridor or something like that. They're landing some solid blows, but you know, he, he's still taking them down. And then there's a, another woman in an S suit, like one of the Superman of America, whatever. And he, he has to fight her. Then he goes into Allie's office and he pulls a pendant off her, like knocks her out. And then he's back on the farm in the suit, like under red sun again and he flies up into the clouds and it smashes down into the mountain like into the mines so he's basically telling his story to superman and lara he's in his little like prison thing at, at the fortress so he said that he was stuck in a mine for days he was weakened by the ex kryptonite there and now he's he's stuck again because of superman and superman's like not because of me he's like you killed innocent people it's like two teenagers and he's like by necessity he's like and Superman's like, you hurt my friend. He attacked me. And he's like, you almost killed me because I needed those visions to stop. And then, you know, Serge is like yelling. Lara's like, enough. He's like, this has solved nothing. And then, you know, she asks about the pendant that he came with. And he says it's an artifact as old as time. He was born when their worlds split apart. And it can elevate the possessor into godhood. So he wants to destroy the pendant to ensure that that doesn't happen. And the only problem is he was unable to to destroy it. So he doesn't possess enough strength on this earth. He's like the yellow sun weakens him. He wants to kill Allie to make sure she can't use it. If she merges, then she'll inherit enough power to send them all into oblivion. So Lois asks Clark later, because, you know, he, he goes back to the farm. He's like, do you believe him? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, you know, everything about this is bizarre. He's like, oh, my gosh, everyone keeps using that word. She's like, well, you know, maybe there's another reason he wants a pendant um, hole. You know, she and Chrissy are going to try to do a deeper dive into all Allie stuff to see if they can find out anything, figure out what Chrissy saw when she crossed over. Because, you know, if he's right, um, Clark says that you know, he has to get the pendant back from Anderson and destroy it. So Anderson's talking to Superior about the situation. They only have the last known location of the other Superman. And she's like, well, what about our Superman? And Anderson's like, I assume he's looking for the other one too. And she's like, no confirmation. And Anderson's like, he's still hesitant to share information with me. And she's like, and I'm beginning to see why. And he's like, ma'am. And she you know, continues. She's like, over 20 years, Sam Lane never had a single problem with him. It's like, you've been here six months. And our relationship with the country's best defense system is deteriorated. It's like, ex-Kryptonite has made it into the public domain. An unidentified Kryptonian has taken the lives of two of our assets. And you know, he's like, sending the Superman of America was a miscalculation. She gets in his face. She's like, two soldiers died. It's like, it's a hell of a lot more than it's a miscalculation. And he's like, you know, you're going to go to the funeral, you know, whatever, to represent them and stuff like that. And he's like, then you will return here and find out where that pale son of a bitch is, or you'll be stripped of your duties. 
Jordan asked Jonathan, he's like, how does your mouth feel? Is it wintry fresh? He's like, what are you talking about? And then he's like, Whoosh. he's like, freeze breath. And then he's like, do you get that high pitch ringing? He's like, because if so, you know, you know, that could be hearing whatever. He's like, you know, maybe we should tell grandpa. He's like, then we could train together. So uh, John's like, I, you know, whatever. He moves his jacket, like his inhaler thing falls on the floor. Jordan picks it up. He's like, oh, what's this? Jonathan takes it back. He's like, oh, that's just Candace's inhaler. You know, she has asthma. So then Jordan looks at him and Jonathan gets a call from his coach. So it turns out he's going to be starting tonight. So Clark's excited. He's like, it's like I said, you keep your head down, you put into work, you get shot. And Jordan's like, yeah, because Timmy's sick. And Lois like, it doesn't matter how it happened. What matters is that your brother's getting this opportunity. And you know, she tells, yeah, they leave. And she tells Clark, he's like, let me know how it goes with Anderson. And she, then she's like, you should probably check in with Lana too. She could probably use an old friend. Lana gets a text from Clark saying that, you know, he, he's around if she wants to talk. So she's like, thanks. She's in the kitchen in her bathrobe. And she's trying to get the girls to eat breakfast, whatever. And she reminds Sarah to write and send out thank you cards for the quinceanera. You know, she got a lot of present. People spent, you know, a lot of time and money, you know, to celebrate her. And Sarah's like, well, I was going to thank them, you know, in person last night, but then it all went to hell. And Lana kind of tenses up. She's like, sorry. So Sophie's like, is daddy ever going to come home again? And I was like, I don't know, sweetie. She's like, I do know your father loves you very much. Both of you. He will always be around. Okay, and then she asks Sarah, she's like, can you help your sister get ready? And then as they leave, Lana turns, you know, around, she's at the sink, and she's like, start sobbing, whatever. And then Sarah turns around, comes up to her, and like hugs her from behind. So it's kind of a sweet moment. Then uh, Lana is reading Allie's book. She hears a car approach, it's Sam. And she's like, oh, you just missed Clark and the boys. He's like, well, that was intentional. He's like, I thought it'd be better if it was just you right now. And she's like, why? He's like, so the three of us can talk. And then we see Lucy get out of his car with, with her arms crossed and she glares at Lois. So they're all standing on the porch and Sam's like, this has gone long enough. And Lois is like, why are you even here? And Lucy's like, do you think I'd actually come here on my own? So Sam's like, you should both apologize. And Lois is like, no, because she blackmailed me. And Lucy's like, this is coming from the world's shadiest journalist. And then she asks Lois, she's like, you can stop acting like you're better than everyone. And Lois is like, Allie Olsen doesn't want to help you. She's like, oh, she only cares about yourself. And Lucy's like, you have no idea what you're talking about. And Sam yells, he's like, knock it off, both of you. He says, he's like, I'm not spending the rest of my retirement doing this with you. He's like, this is the first time the three of us have been together and who knows how long. He's like, I'm not going to spend it talking about Allie Alston. He's like, you know, you're my world and this breaks my heart to see you at each other's throat. He's like, so please. He's like, I need my family back. He's like, can we at least try to make things right? At the, the funeral for the, the fallen Superman, Superman Zertu, and then you know, Superman talks to the mother of one. He's, you know, sorry for your loss. And she's like, you know, Jesse just wanted to be a hero just like you. And he's like, she was, you know, she saved my life once. And Anderson comes up. He's like, I want to offer you my sincerest condolences. And she just like sneers at him. And she's like, this is all your fault. And he's like, as a commanding officer, I take full responsibility. And she asks, she's like, where's this monster who killed my daughter? He's like, do you even know? And he's like, we're doing all that we can. And she like slaps him. Your promises are what got my daughter killed. You're a disgrace. And she leaves. And Superman's like, it's still fresh. And Anderson's like, spare me your sympathies. He's like, I cannot let, let them die for nothing. It's like, that thing that, that killed them is still out there. And it's up to you, you and me to stop it. So he starts walking away. Superman's like, that's what I want to talk to you about. And Anderson turns around. And Superman's like, can we talk in private? 
So Jordan asked Jonathan if it's a good idea for him to play football. He's like, what if he has an ocular discharge? And Jonathan's like, please don't just say those words again. So he's like, it's fine. And then Jordan's like, you know, you should at least tell mom and dad. And Jordan's like, what's with you? He's like, you know, I kept your secret for, you know, all of last year. And now you want to put me on lockdown. And Jordan's like, that's not what this is about. And Jonathan's like, he's like, why can't you just give me this one? And you know, it's like, it finally feels like I'm where I belong. And he's like, he's like, I promise I have everything under control. So Jordan goes into the classroom, sits behind Sarah, asks how she's holding up. And she's like, well, after world's worth quinceanera, you know, and then she's like, well, I'll be fine. What is, she's like, it's my mom I'm worried about. You know, and like this other kid, like, hears her talking about her dad, like, cheating on her mom. And she's like, What? So I guess they're not concerned about other people finding out. So hopefully that's just a random kid, not someone who's going to run and tell the mayor if he doesn't already know. At the house, Kyle knocks on the door. He wants to talk to Lana. He says, You know, sorry, doesn't even begin to cover it, but he needs her to know that he loves her, you know, more than anything in the world. And, you know, she's, she has some question and she's like, You know, how long did it? last and right away he's like six months and then she's like was she ever in the house and he's like once lana's like do you love her and he's like no he's like please he's like i made a horrible mistake he's like i'm so much stronger now he's like we're both so much stronger now he pulled you know picked up a picture like on a mantle or on a shelf or whatever it's like an old prom photo or something like that he's like that guy knew back then and she's like i can't do this right now she's like i need you to leave and you know so he's like gonna leave and he's like i love you with all my heart so at the the Kent farm, Lucy's staring at like photos on a mantle, and she's like, "Is that really John and Jordan's?" And she's like, "They're giants." And Sam chuckles. He's like, "Oh, they're country boys now." And she's like, "I can't believe how long Jordan's hair is." She's like, "It must drive you know Sam, their dad. It must drive him crazy." And he's like, "Oh, kids today." And Lois is like, "I like it." And Lucy's like, "I do too." And Sam's like, "It reminds me of one of those pirates in the Islands movie." And Lois is like, "Do you mean Pirates of the Caribbean?" And Lucy's like. Dad's not familiar with any movie title that isn't Delta Force. So then Lois and Lucy are like smile at each other because you know they're they're kind of making fun of their dad. And then he's he's like, oh whatever. And he's like, if if you had enough you know fun digging making digs at me, he's like, I have some work to do. He's like, I'll be right outside. Obviously, he's just so they have to talk to each other. And then Lois is like, so how you been, Luce? Anderson yells, he's like, you've got to be kidding me. You've captured your doppelganger. It's like, how could you stand there when her mother was talking about it? And Superman's like, because I needed to speak with you first. He's like, and he starts to talk about the pendant, that tag. He, Anderson cuts off. He's like, no. It's like, what's your obsession with that? And he's like, it's dangerous. He's like, I need to destroy it. And he's like, that's not what you said last time. Superman's like, new information has come to light. He's like, from who? The Kryptonian who killed my team? Why are you even talking that thing? And Superman's like, because I need to understand why he's here. He's like, a bigger threat may be coming. He's like, from where? Superman says that he still needs to figure that out. Anderson starts walking away. Superman says, he's like, but first I need to destroy a pendant. He's like, will you help me? And he's like, I'll run it up with the chain of command. And Superman, he's like, here's something. Here's, there's an avalanche coming. So he's like, I got to go. One of his, uh, Anderson's whatever minions comes up, up to him. And it's like, find out where he's going. So there's this whole town that's about to get buried by this avalanche. Superman flies in front of it, uses freeze breath, freezes snow, then he uses heat vision to melt and evaporate it. And then in Russian, of all places, it's like this is not the time for him to be saving a Russian village. He's like, bus, bus, das what you're safe now. <laughs> and then he hears Lucy uh, asking if they can talk, so then he flies off. So he's like, Lucy's talking to Lois. When he gets to the farm, the boys are sitting at a table with Sam and Lucy. 
she's talking about like football plays and positions and asking how the team is clark like walks in and you know he says hi he's like oh it's me clark and, and she's like i recognize you know it hasn't been that long lois mentions like they have to go to the game soon and lucy's like oh five more minutes she's like, i just want to hear more about the offense so then lois tells clark she's like she's been here all day she's like it, it's been nice and he's like have you talked about and she's like no then he gets a text from lana so Anderson finds out from his, his whatever sergeant, whatever, that Superman was in Russia. And he's like, Russia? And she's like, he stopped an avalanche from destroying a small village. And Anderson's like, he's never going to tell me the things I need to know. He just doesn't trust me. And he like holds the pendant in his hand. He calls his commander. He's like, I think I know how to bring the rogue Kryptonian into our custody, but I'm going to need your permission to do it. So it's like, oh my God, just anderson guy of course he they have to make him such a jerky jerk so clark meets lana at the diner and she says that you know part of her knew that it was happening you know with you know kyle cheating on her but she felt that her intuition was wrong and clark's like do you think there was more than one and she's like he said there wasn't and then you know she she mentions that he came over today professing his love and he's like what did the girls say and then, you know she's like they weren't there or whatever and or, you know, they're, they're just trying to understand, like, what's going on. I think that's what he, what he meant. And then she asks him, like, what, you know, what am I going to do? She's like, I've loved this man since I was 17. And she's like, I thought that, you know, my life was here you know, with him. And he's like, you don't need to answer that right now. And she's like, do you think you'd stay with Lois if she cheated on you? He says that he's like, I guess it, it depend on like, you know, what actually happened. And, you know, he'd need to know details of the situation first and make a decision from there. And she's like, do you think you could love her after that? Trust her? And he's like, you know, if I was going to stay with her, I'd have to. And she says that, you know, she's like, well, don't you have a game to go to? And, you know, he's like, well, I'm here as, as long as you need me. And she's like, oh, don't worry. You know, it's like there'll be plenty of tears for later. You know, she's like, I just need to sit here. So then it cuts to the bartender. She's at the bar, Tanya, and you know she hears someone walk in. She's like, "What can I get you?" And it's it's Lana. She's like, "Nothing." She's like, "I'm not here for a drink." So coach is talking to the, the players in the locker room. He's like, blah, 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 you know, psyching them up. You know, they leave for the locker room, but Jonathan kind of hangs back. And John or Clark's, you know, there because he's like assistant coach, and he's like, "Are you good?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm just a little nervous. I'm I'm gonna hit the bathroom." And, you know, but really he's waiting to take a hit from an inhaler. So he's waiting until everyone leaves. It's like stupid. And during the game, he does a stupid vision thing where he knows like where to throw a pass to touchdown. Sam's cheering. <laughs> he's like, kids got my arm. And Lois is like, here we go. And then he starts talking about like, this college football story. And they both like recited like, and then he's like, I'm going to go get some food. <laughs> and they're like, can you give me this and that and everything? So Lois and Lana are like reminiscing everything like that. And, and, you know, Lucy says, I was, you know, it was a good day. You know, she enjoyed hanging out. And Lois is like, you know, the boys would be happy to have aunt Lucy around again. So it's like, they're really getting along and it's, it's just really nice. So the bartenders tells Lana what happened between her and Kyle was wrong. And she's sorry. You know, she was stupid and naive. Lana asks, did you, you know, love him? She's like, yeah. Did he love you? She's like, I thought so. You know, maybe I was just fooling myself. And she's like, you know, I, I know whatever. I'm not really one to say. She's like, but, you know, Kyle was a good guy. When it came down to it, he chose his family. And Lana's like, when did he break things off? And she's like, maybe, you know, two years ago. And Lana's like, after Sarah's accident? And she's like, yeah, around then. And Lana kind of scoffs. And bartender's like, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't mean to upset you. And Lana's like, you know, thanks for talking to me. 
So Clark um, at the game, he starts hearing something and Johnson's like, oh, you know, the game's almost over. He's like, I'm sorry, I got to go. He's like, you know, I'm so proud of you. So Lucy's you know, still talking to, to Lois. She's like, you know, John's pretty amazing. And Lois like, you know, thanks for coming. You know, it means a lot. And, you know, sorry how things got with us. And Lucy's like, you know, she's like, yeah, you know, me too. She's like, but it's okay now that you know the truth. And Lois is like, Lucy. And Lucy says that, you know, she admits it was crazy at first, but after everything that happened, you know, she's like, you have to agree that Allie was right. You know, there is an inverse waiting, you know, for inverse to all of us waiting to make us whole. And Lois is like, there's a lot we still need to, to need to know. And Lucy's like, what else do you need to know? It's like, even your partner confirmed it. And Lois is like, after she was drugged against her will, she's like, doesn't that concern you? And Lucy's like, sometimes you have to show people the truth. And so it's like, here it goes. It's like, they're, you know, perfect day. And now it's just going to be ruined. So, you know, Lucy's like, you know, you don't always see the bigger picture, you know, or Lois says that Lucy doesn't always see the bigger picture. So Lucy gets up. She's like, you know, I tried. She's like, you've refused to be wrong. She's like, I can't be around that. And Lucy, she's like, tell dad, I'll call him later. Jonathan's team wins a game. Jordan, he says to, to Sarah and this other girl, she's like, oh, it looks like Timmy lost his starting position. And the girl's like, oh, that's not because of your brother. And she's like, what? You didn't hear? It's like, oh, yeah, his mom caught him huffing some weird drug from the line. And, you know, he's like, what, what kind of drug? And she mentions inhaler. So Jordan's like, oh, crap. So Sam finally comes back with the food, which is weird. He missed the entire game and he went to get like a hot dog and whatever. So he says he ran into Mayor Dean. He's like, oh, he's a real windbag. And he's like, where's Lucy? And Lois just looks at him. So this year man goes to the DOD and he's like, you know, thanks for getting, getting back to me so fast. So they're going to go get the pendant, you know, Superman and Anderson. They're walking down this hall and then the, these red lights go on and Superman kind of crumples and soldiers come out with guns. Anderson's like, the pendant isn't the threat that we discussed. He's like, you are. So Superman's like, what are you doing? And Anderson's like, what you know i have to so you finally give me what i need and superman's like we're on the same team he's like you keep saying that but you refuse to trust me so it's just like yeah because you're a big jerky jerk so candace tells jonathan she comes up to him, she's like oh you were great and jordan you know she's in the locker room and jordan walks in and then Candace's like meet me later at my car i parked where it's dark so jordan's like you're using it xk and jonathan's like who cares and jordan's like i do so i thought you were getting powers and jonathan's like i am just not the same way and jordan says he's like he's like you need to stop and he's like why so i stopped getting what i finally deserve and then you know jordan grabs and he's like lay off and then john's eyes glow red again so he's got some powers in there somewhere superman's just struggling to get up and he starts pushing the soldiers he starts fighting them and it's the exact same way that the bizarro was fighting in his story so it's the same like moves and stuff like that. So then, then it finally ends. Anderson's like pointing a kryptonite weapon like at him. He shoots Superman like in the shoulder with a kryptonite dart. Jordan and Jonathan are still going at it. And John's like, I said lay off, whatever. And then he shoves Jordan away. Sam walks in. He's like, boys. And Jordan's like storms off. And Sam's like, what the heck's going on? And John's like, nothing. So Superman's lying on the ground. He's got the, the kryptonite thing sticking in his shoulder. He tells Anderson, like, don't do this. And he's like, I have no choice. And then he shoots again, but it like cuts the commercial. So at the firehouse, Lana comes in, you know, uh, Kyle's there. And she's like, oh, I remember the first time I saw you riding one of those trucks. And she's like, you know, we we're so happy back then. He's like, it'll be like that again. And she's like, we're not those 19 year olds anymore. And he's like, 
yeah, we have roots and we have family now. And she's like, that's what makes it so hard. And she's like, I spoke to Tanya. He's like, I needed to hear it from her. And she's like, you don't have to worry. You know, she said you were a good guy and you broke it off to be with your family. The problem is I can't help but wonder if you would have broke it off to save your marriage. And he says that, you know, the last couple of years I've been finding my way. He's like, I've always loved you. That hasn't changed. And she's like, maybe not for you. And then he's like, do you love me anymore? And she's like, I'm not sure. She's like, until I am, I need you to move out. And she walks away. So Lois, Sam, and the boys return home. Jordan storms in the house, and they, they're talking like, oh, must be sibling rivalry, whatever. And and then, you know, he's, he's kind of insinuating about her and, and Lucy. He's And she's like, I tried. So then Jonathan goes up to Jordan. He's like, we need to talk. He's like, fine. He's like, I know what I did was stupid. He's like, you know, what's the point of a big game if you can't enjoy it? And he's like, how'd you find out? And he says, Jordan's like, you know, Timmy's mom found an inhaler. Apparently the police are involved. So Lois is looking at old pictures. There's one of her with, with Sam and Lucy. Then Sam comes back and she's like, dad. And he's like, Lois, it's Clark. He's been arrested for treason. So he's being carried on his like red sun gurney. Anderson says, until he reveals the location of that thing that killed our men, Superman will remain a prisoner of the United States government. And then his minions like, where are they taking him? To be with his brother. Ugh. So we see in the preview, Clark is going to be locked up with uh, Morgan Edge. And it, it it's like the same exact, it's so silly. And, you know, so they're probably going to escape together and whatever. But it still is a good show. Okay, then Servant, Season 3, Episode 7, Camp. So there's a clip from Gourmet Gauntlet Philadelphia. So I don't know if it's like the intro or something like that. Leanne, Dorothy, and Julian are watching it. And Dorothy, you know, they're all like, like, oh, that looks cool and everything. Dorothy's like, oh, we're all excited. And Leanne's like, are you, Dorothy? <laughs> and she's like, what? And she's like, oh, I got to take Jericho outside. <laughs> so so like Leanne's like kind of getting like sort of sassy with, with Dorothy. Then um, Dorothy wants to talk to Julian outside. She's like, you need to stop effing the nanny. She's like, don't deny it. Just stop. And he's like, it's over. And he's like, what is this about? Is it, is it work? He's like, oh, it's just a dry spell because she, you know, she's not getting any gigs because she was lactating on camera or whatever. And then Dorothy's like, she was attacked. You know, she says she's all right, but I don't know. And then Dorothy's like, she's like, and you know, honestly, I can't remember Sean being on gourmet gauntlet last year. It's like, I feel like I'm losing my mind. And he's like, you were just under a lot of stress. So then later, Dorothy asks Leanne, she's like, can you do me a favor? She's like, when you go on your walks, can you avoid the park? It's like, there's so many transits, you know, setting up camp and, you know, considering what happened, it's safer. And Leanne's like, there was a danger, but that time has passed now. And Dorothy's like, you know, whoever they are, they're just another cult. And Leanne kind of laughs. And Dorothy's like, do you see the dangerous pattern here? And Leanne says, you know, well, we see things differently. And Dorothy's like, you know, I'm concerned with your decision-making in general, which is why I made an appointment for you to see my OBGYN. It's come to my attention that you're having intercourse with my brother. I feel like she's kind of like jealous and we not jealous of her brother because that'd be gross. But I, I just feel like there's just something, you know, I don't know. And then, you know, Leanne's like, have you been going through my things? And she's like, no. And Leanne's like, you know, I was given privacy at the Lesser Saints where Dorothy's like, you know, you're entitled to your privacy, but, you know, we have to have trust about everything. And Leanne's like, thank you for, for this conversation. You've really given me a lot to think about. So it's like, mm. Dorothy and then 
uh, goes upstairs. She sneaks up, even though she's like, I didn't go through your stuff. She sneaks up. She's looking through Leanne's closet. Then she decides to look through her dresser drawers. And in the like, second drawer, she like sees her journal. So she takes it out and... You know, she's like sitting there and then she opens it. So she sees like all the birds, like the pictures of, you know, when Leanne just started drawing that. And then there's all the birds that attacked Julian when they went to the beach. And then she sees like drawings of Jericho. She sees like squid tentacles, like on a plate. And she sees a severed finger. And then she sees like Sean cooking. She's like pictures of bees, like of a fire. And then there's like a, a buxom lady drinking. It's like, is that supposed to be Dorothy? Didn't quite look at it like her. But then on the next page, there's, <laughs> there's Dorothy with basically milk squirting out of her boobs. Um, so it's like basically everything that has happened. So, of course, Dorothy's upset about the last one. So then she talks to Sean. So she tells him everything you know, that she saw in there, even though she was mentioned all said all the stuff about trust. And he's like, well, you know, it's understandable for someone to poke fun at authority figures, whatever. And, you know, she thinks that she's being mocked. And, you know, so she's taking it personally. She's probably thinking that Leanne drew this after the fact, but I think she's doing it during, because like with the bird stuff, she was doing that. So I think she's causing this to happen. I'm, I don't remember where she was with the bees. Was she drawing when the bees came? Maybe. So maybe that's what's going on. You know, she has this power to make this stuff happen. So then she's like, she's reckless. She has a fascination with the homeless kids. But Sean had a fascination with them too. And she didn't have a run with that. Sean's like, he's like, you know, whatever, whatever. He's like, I just want you to freak out over every little thing. You know, things are good now. He's like, the show's a big win for, for us and for me. And she's just kind of flabbergasted that, you know, he won't take her worry seriously. So uh, Leanne goes to the park a girl gives her like this metal, like in like kind of glass necklace or something, whatever. And then she asks Leanne, she's like, Oh, come with me. And so they, you know, she goes to like deeper into the camp. They're like, Oh, he's so beautiful, you know, because she's with Jericho. She's like, He's a miracle. Then, um, as she's talking to people, Roscoe's like standing there and Leanne sees him, kind of like waves to him. She takes Jericho out of the stroller and Roscoe asks one kid, He's like, What is it about her? And the kid's like, she's extraordinary, courageous enough to rebel. And Roscoe's like, against who? Anyone who gets in her way. So Dorothy's watching, like looking at security footage, and then she sees Leanne leave. And then she looks out the window and she sees the empty stroller at the park. And she sees like someone else holding Jericho. So she freaks out, runs out the door, like almost knocks some lady over, whatever. She rushes through there and she grabs Jericho and she says, Leanne, she's like, get the stroller now. So at home, she's like, I don't know why you felt the need to put my life's son in danger by taking him to a homeless encampment after I explicitly asked you not to. And Leanne calmly is like, she's like, Dorothy, you just don't understand. I would never take him there if it wasn't safe. Everyone there is kind and gentle. Dorothy hisses, you are 18. You may feel safe out there. I'm here to tell you it's not. So you leave me no choice. I forbid you to go back to that park. And Leanne's like, it's so funny how controlling you can be. It's almost like Aunt May. So who's the aunt? Like her aunt May, I guess. And she's like, see the dangerous patterns here? Because that's what they said earlier. And then after she, then Dorothy tattles on Leanne to Sean about her having Jericho at the park with them. And he's like, was he hurt? And she's like, no. And he's like, well, I'll talk to her about it. And Dorothy's like, that's not enough. And he's like, what do you want me to do? Throw her out? And he's like, you know, you wanted to help her. You can't just give up on her now. She's like, we're in a good place now. And she's, he's like, you know, I'm about to make dinner. It's almost ready. And, you know, we just enjoy it. And, and she just storms upstairs. 
you know, even though like the dinner is like about ready. So Leanne um, comes in down, you know, at the same, she's like, is Dorothy okay? And Sean's like, oh, she's just concerned about, you know, the kids from the park. And, and Dorothy's kind of listening at the stairs and Leanne's like, they just want to learn from me. And she's like, you know, no one's ever seen what they see in me. So Dorothy or someone's at the door, Dorothy calls Leanne and it's Vera. So this is uh, Julian's kind of girlfriend that he met at rehab. So Dorothy asks Leanne, and she comes out, and she's like, oh, take a seat, you know, like in the living room. So Dorothy's like, Leanne, I have to be honest. I was really pretty angry with you last night, but after a good night's sleep and some sun salutations, I had an epiphany. It's like, oh, my God. The reason we're butting heads is because you know, Leanne's stuck in the house all, all day. So she's like, given her history, she hasn't had a chance to experience independence. So Julian had told Vera about uh, her dance background. So Vera starts um, showing Leanne something like on an iPad. And then Sean walks by. He's like, what's happening in here? And Dorothy's like, leave her be quiet. And she's like, so friggin' rude. So Vera mentions a dance institute in New Jersey. There's a special two-month dance semiotics program. And then uh, Sean's like, his car is there to pick him up, to probably take him to the gourmet kitchen thing, whatever, gourmet gauntlet. And he's like... Uh, he's about to leave and then leanne you can see is a little concerned but she just kind of smiles so he has to leave so they mentioned there's other activities and you know and vera's like you know you're good with kids and you know you bought your future if you ever want to teach kids someday this would look great on your resume and dorothy's like and the best part is they usually have a long wait list but vera was able to pull some strings so they can take you right now she's like and we'll take care of everything you just need to say yes leanne's just sitting there just quiet and and dorothy's like you're mature and creative and far too smart to turn down an opportunity like this and vera's like and you can always come back when it's over and dorothy's like absolutely you can come back and visit that's like oh snap and vera and or dorothy's like i like i'll and uh, i'll book a train ticket for tomorrow and vera's like uh classes don't actually start until monday and dorothy's oh oh well why wait hmm and Leanne just doesn't say a word. So Dorothy is just with her big old smile and just. Ugh. So then later in Leanne's room, uh, you know, I think Dorothy's like packing for her even. And she gives her, you know, she has this, her dress like this all folded up. And she that the dress that uh, Leanne wore to Julian's birthday party or something like that. And she's like, oh, you look so pretty at this. I, I think you should have it. And Leanne's like, that's OK. She's like, I wouldn't want to take your dress. And she's just like, just sits there. So then later, Sean's like, how could you just do that without consulting me at all? And she's like, I tried. You told me to smile and eat my dinner. And she's just like, he's what her scoffs. And she's like, I can't trust her. It's not working. And Sean's like, but Jericho loves her. And Dorothy's like, I just feel anxious around her. And, you know, she's like, I don't feel comfortable leaving her alone with him. You know, as long as she's here, the cult could come for her at any time. So the dance camp will be good for her. And she'll see that she can have more than we can offer her. Everyone will be better off. And Sean thinks he's like, I have no say what happens in my son's life. It doesn't matter how I feel. You're going to do whatever you want. And she's like, I need a partner, not some placator, patronizer husband who's perfectly willing to gaslight his wife. And he's like, gaslight? So she's just going off. And, and she's like, don't tell me I should be happy and everything's okay because it's effing not. She's like, you're supposed to be on my side. And he's like, when the program's finished, we check in with her to reassess. It's only fair. And he like goes into the bathroom to pee so leanne's listening to an old record she puts on like the big necklace that was given to her and then she's like starts dancing and and then she's like in the living room dancing and she goes down the basement and she's like on the platforms and she like looks at the water underneath so it's like uh, not sure what's going on with all that 
So Leanne's ready to leave. Dorothy, Jericho, and Sean are in the living room. Dorothy's like, oh, won't you come join us? And, you know, Leanne's just standing by the door. She's like, no, thank you, Mrs. Turner. I am, I'm fine as I am. The doorbell rings, and Julian and, and Vera are there. Um, Julian just bursts out. It's like, this is a bad idea. It's like, I can smell a bad idea from three states away. This one reeks. Dorothy's like, it's not your decision. Vera tries telling you, it's like, this isn't about you. And then Dorothy like slams a, a, a spoon on the table several times. Jericho starts crying, which is just like, I'm so stupid that she did that. And she's like, I appreciate everyone's concern, but really there's nothing to discuss. She's like, Leanne is leaving today. And that's just the way it is. So the doorbell rings and, and then Julian opens the door. He's like, what? So Toby's there. He's like, I'm here to take Leanne to the train station. And Julian's like, you're early, whatever. And he's like, closes the door on him, makes him wait outside in the rain. And Vera takes the crying Jericho from Dorothy. He's like, oh, it's probably best just to say goodbye now. So Leanne kisses him on the forehead. And then she, she like heads towards the kitchen. Julian says, Dorothy's like, you didn't even ask Leanne what she wanted. And Dorothy's like, she knows this is a rare opportunity. And he's like, what the heck is dance semiotics? Is like, is that even a real thing? Sounds like a scam. So uh, and I, at this point, I'm like, where's Vera going with Jericho? But then she puts him in a chair in the kitchen and he's like still crying. And Dorothy's like, Vera knows a director from the Institute. you know, And he's like, she used to set D for Sudafed. And he's like, she's not an authority and everything. So because they met the rehab. But like Vera heard him say this. So it's like, oh, man. And Dorothy's like, well, she's leaving. And Sean says, he's like, we should just step back and talk instead of, you know, yell. And Leanne's like, it's okay. She's like, I'll go, Mr. Turner. It's only two months. And then she like hugs him and she hugs Julian, like kisses him on the cheek, like well, high cheek. And then she goes to Dorothy and stands there and then she hugs her. And Dorothy whispers like, oh, oh, you're going to love it. I promise. But Leanne doesn't say a word to her. And she just walks out. Then Vera comes in and she's like, Jericho's poopy. She literally says poopy. That's not me like censoring anything. And she's like, I was going to change him, but I didn't think you'd want my filthy meth hands near his swimsuit area. And Julian's like, it's a complicated situation. Okay. And so like now they're arguing and Dorothy goes in the kitchen. Vera's like, you just call me a crank whore. And she's like, I think it's a, a dick move to use my personal history as a weapon. Then he's like, you're right. And he's like, I'm not sorry. And then Dorothy lets out a huge scream from the kitchen. So Sean and Julian run in and Vera's just like, what, what's going on? And then Dorothy's like holding the Jericho living doll, like the fake doll that she had at the beginning. And she looks at him. She's like, I can't do this again. I, I can't. So then Julian barks at Vera. It's like, WTF did you do? And she's like, nothing. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, I just put him in a high chair. It's like, I put him in a high chair. I, I didn't do anything. And Jericho can be heard crying. They're like, the basement. So they run down there and there's that there. Then they're like, he's in the kitchen. We were just up there. And then Sean's like, he steps on a plank and like the foundation cracks a lot more. So it's like, oh, that's not good. Then Dorothy hears him upstairs, runs, searches his room. And just like, you know, searching everything. Julian's like, I'll check the cameras. And, you know, Sean takes a dial and, you know, Leanne's just standing outside in the rain. Toby's like, are you okay? And, you know, you can hear Vera going on about how, you know, she's trying every day, you know, to work through her stuff. She's like, I can't do that with you. And then he's like, great, take care, take care of it, you know, far away from me. So he's just like such a jerk to her. And Dorothy's like searching frantically. Baby, you can still hear him crying. Sean finds like a ribbon that was like on the stairs. He grabs it and he takes a dowel. He's like starts praying. 
And Toby tells Leanne, he's like, if we don't leave now, you definitely miss a train. Vera comes out of the house and she's like, you, you, if you're smart, you'll definitely get on that train and not look back. So Toby's like confused. And Leanne's like, go home, Toby. And then she walks back inside. So Dorothy's yelling. She's like, there's caterpillars. Because they're like in Leanne's room looking at like that cabinet, whatever. And then she comes downstairs. She sees Leanne at the door. She's like, where's my son? You have 10 seconds. You know what I'm capable of. It's like, what are you capable of? Lactating on camera. So Leanne calmly hangs up her coat. And she's like, he's asleep in a new nursery. He's been here there this entire time. And Dorothy glares at her. That's impossible. I've torn his whole heart apart. And you hear Jericho crying. Runs upstairs. Sean and Julian follow. Jericho's in his crib. And Dorothy picks him up. Julian goes down to get a drink. But he like kind of hesitates. Because he pr- probably shouldn't have a drink. Because he drinks too much. Leanne tells him, she's like, oh, Vera's gone. And she's like, she wasn't right for you. She's like, you're both broken. You know, you need, you know, you have to have a stronger person or something like that. Then Sean tells Dorothy, he's like, Leanne stays. If Leanne's here, then Jericho's here. So Leanne stays. And Dorothy's like, you're insane. She had someone come into our house, hide our child like some depraved prank. She's sick. Sean says that he's like, I don't want to lose my son again. And he's like, Leanne stays. And he just walks out of the nursery. Then she comes down and she's like, no, there's a plan in motion. And Sean interrupts and says to Leanne, he's like, I'd like to apologize on my wife's behalf. And Dorothy's mouth's like gaping open. Don't you dare apologize for me. He continues. We would all be very grateful if you would stay for as long as you'd like. And she's like, that would make me very happy. So Sean walks past Dorothy and goes upstairs. And Leanne says to Dorothy, thank you for trying to broaden my horizons, Dorothy. But I can never leave Jericho. If I'm not here... Anything could happen to him. And Dorothy just stares as Leanne walks upstairs. So, I th- again, I think with like Leanne's magic powers or whatever praying power she has, that I don't know if it has anything to do with her drawings, but, you know, did she cause all that stuff? And then, you know, as soon as she leaves, and it's, I guess she doesn't necessarily have to draw, you know, was she praying or something like that? And then all of a sudden, Jericho isn't alive anymore because again he was he ever alive since he he died as we still don't know but man the show is just kind of weird and i like it all right severance season one episode three in perpetuity so again we're a week behind so as you listen to this episode four is out but we're going to talk about episode three so as you remember mark asks you know pd's in the bathroom and he's like in the shower and he sees himself. And so it's like between his two selves, his two, two halves or whatever. So he's trying to deal with this unsevering himself. So Mark asks him if he's okay. He's like, Oh yeah, I'm good. I, I just slipped. Then he's like, is anyone living in the, in the next unit, you know, next door? And Mark's like, only Mrs. Selvig on the other side. He's like, the neighborhood never really filled up. So it's, it's nice and quiet. Pete gets like a flash of Irv coming, you know, into the work bathroom and like, talking work stuff and it shifts back and forth from he's like in his work suit and his robe and and mark's like are you okay and he's like yeah he's like with the sickness you know i just get disoriented he's like just temporarily so miss cobell actually um apparently burned like a bunch of muffins or something like that and she's just like sitting staring out her window she's like looking at mark's house so it's like almost like she's obsessed it's, it's like really weird the way she acts when she's at the house versus when she's in the office so pd tells Mark, it's like having two separate lives suddenly stitched together. He's like, but, you know, it's it's off, whatever. So his first day at Lumen, as far back as 
his, he, his, he recalls it, it was like his fifth birthday or something like that. So with two pass, it blurs the present too, but they said it would get better. And Mark's like, who's they? And Petey's like, they is a group of people that know how severance is a blight on mankind. He's like, and they're going to do something about it. And Mark's like, is this the, the whole mind collective? And Petey's like, no, it's not those kids collecting signatures downtown. This is someone else. And Mark's like, okay, but he's like, what do you want from, from me? And Petey's like, he's like, I don't, you want to know what, what you're doing down there? And Mark's like, well, you know, I'm not going to un- unsever. And Pete's like, that's not a word. It's like reintegration. And Mark says that, you know, it hasn't been a blight for me. It's been a help. And Petey's like, what's the cost of that help? He's like, what if you're murdering people eight hours a day and you don't even know it? And Mark's like, am I? And Petey's like, you know, I found a department, one that they don't even tell us about, one where you don't get to leave. They're down there right now. And Mark's like, are they chained up or something? And then Petey just like, them. he's like i'm not going to talk about it you know here he's like i don't know if there's if the monitors are bugged or if irving's going to walk in and mark's like we're not at lumen and then he, he's like well then where the f is june and he's like sorry he's like who's june and pd's like june's my daughter greatest kid on on earth and hell of a guitar player so cobell is still watching from next door she's mark like walk into room and sit in front of a tv and she's like oh mark are you all right so it's like she's so concerned about Mark. So the news talks about a woman who became pregnant at work a month after she was severed. So people are arguing. So it's like that's the thing. It's like when you're with your secret work life, who knows what's happening? And maybe there's some hanky panky going on during the workday, which it shouldn't be. In the morning, Mark goes down to wake up Petey, says that you know he's going into work. He's like, you can stay here if you want. You know, it's like I'm not going to reintegrate. And Petey scoffs. He's like, okay. So Mark says, he's like, I lost my wife in a car accident a couple years ago. It's like, this is helping. And Petey's like, at work, you know, you would come in sometimes and with, with like red eyes. He's like, we had a joke that you had an elevator allergy. He's like, there's even a song for it that we came up with. He's like, you know, I always wondered. He's like, you carried the hurt with you. You feel it down there too. You just don't know what it is. Outside, Ms. Cobell, Ms. Selvig, whatever, apologizes for the noise and she's de-icing her stoop with like a hair dryer. And Mark's like, oh, that's okay. And then he's like, thanks for the cookies. And she's like, well, I'll swing by with some more. He's like, oh, please do. And then he drives off and she watches him leave and then she goes back inside. So he goes to his locker, goes, takes the elevator, goes to the office, gets a folder with like new pictures that they took of the staff. Helly comes up to him and she's like, I did a thing. And she's like, I deleted the scary numbers. And he's like, when? She's like, yesterday when you were gone. He's like, I was? And Irv's like, Irv's like, you look trim. He's like, I wonder if you had food poisoning. And Mark, so Mark's going to pass out the pictures. Hell, he's like, you might as well skip it, actually, because you know, I, I put in my resignation request. And she's like, she's like, it's good. You know, I won't. you won't get sent to the break room anymore. So then Mr. Milchick comes in and says he spoke to Mark's Audi yesterday. He sounded just shattered that he couldn't come into work, but he's there now. So does he want to read his first morning announcement as department head? He says it should be easier. Mark's like, it should be easier without me in the audience. And um, Irv tells Helly that Mark thought it was funny to make jokes when, you know, Petey would read them. And so he starts reading. Milchek's like taking pictures of him reading. Dylan's like, why is he standing funny? He's like, stand normal. And then Helly's like, are you uncomfortable? He's like, we could all look away. So they're like just trying to egg him on and stuff like that. Mark continues. So there's been garbage and recycling. Please don't do that. Remember, post-it notes are not to be put on faces. 
they clog up your Audi's pores. And Dylan tells Hell, he's like, that one's about me. And so he's like, I do this beloved character, Sticky Head. And then Mark continues, also, please refrain from boasting about previously earned waffle parties. And the last one, uh, he tells Milchek, he's like, I never saw a resignation request get such a quick turnaround. So Helly stands up and she's like, do I have to finish out the day or can I leave now? Mark looks at Milchek and then he's like, lastly, Helly's resignation request uh, was denied. And Helly's like, that can't be right. It's like, my Audi wouldn't do that. And Mark's like, you know, PD used to say, and she storms off. And Milchek goes in the opposite direction out another door and gets on his phone. So it's like, hmm, where's Milchek going? Trying to put out a fire and probably calling Cobell or whatever. So at Mark's, his sister, Devin, and Rick and pull up. They have a gift for Mark. So it's, it's clearly a book. Uh, Miss Cobell exits her house after they, they drive by because here's a whole production like where to leave it because you know, Rick is just what, a freak. So she goes over to Mark's door. And so Petey is inside working on a map for the office. He's fighting a headache. Then it gets bright and he's like back in the office. And Mark's like, what are we drawing? And so it switches with them in office in the basement. So he's just like switching back and forth through reality. And then he hears the door open upstairs. So somehow Miss Cobell has a key, obviously, because the house is probably owned by Lumen or whatever. So she looks around and she decides to go in the basement. And she sees a little bin of Gemma Crafts and she opens it, smells this candle inside, puts it in her purse. It's like, what is that all about? Then her phone buzzes. So it's Milchek telling her about Heli. So Petey's like hiding and he sees her like pacing in the bathroom and he gets a flash of her in like the office, like like pacing like in her office. So he sneaks upstairs. She tells Milchek that she's coming. And so Petey was like hiding outside, which is like crazy. And then um, he thinks he's like walking in office hallways so, you know, he's, he's got like this map that he's making, and, but he's really like out walking outside in his rope. So Mark goes to check on Helly. She's been gone for like 45 minutes. She's like, I'm using the bathroom. You know, she's in there. He's like, well, I'm coming in. She's like, no, don't do that. She's like, don't. And so he tells her, he's like, okay. So she's writing on her arms and he's like, you know that there's code detectors. And then she, she's like, well, I'm not writing stuff because there's like just weird gibberish on her arms. But he's like, you know, put, hold your arms together. So when she puts like her arms on top of each other, she wrote like half the letters on each arms. So it says, let me out. And then he's like, I thought, you know, you're, you know, getting into it here. And she's like, because of the number thing, he's like, that was a win. She's like, it literally causes fear. And he's like, that's just one subset of numbers. He's like, the others are more comforting. She's like, I don't want to work here with you. And so she's like, you know, don't don't burst into the bathroom with your pathetic boss voice on trying to convince me that I do. And he's like, OK, I'll give you five minutes to scrub your arms. And she's like, or what? He whispers. He's like, do you want Grainer to use the bad soap? And she's like, there's bad soap. So outside, Irv is waiting for him. He's like, I was listening at the door. He's like, I'm worried about you having high stress exchanges like that. So fresh off your food poisoning, which we don't even know if he had food poisoning. He's like, I'm fine. Irv's like, you know, I'm loathing with how she spoke to you. And Mark's like, what's on your mind? And he's like, Dylan was going on about incentives, erases and, and, and waffle parties like that. He's like, you know, he's saying like, that's why we're here, but it's not, you know, there's a if it's a deeper meaning she craves, she should see the perpetuity wing. And Mark's like, she can read about all that stuff in the handbook. And Irv's like, it's different to be there and see it. And Mark's like, seems premature. And, and you know, that, that place can be, be a lot. 
So Cobell talks or arrives at her office, talks to Milchak, mentions that there was a package left on Mark's um, door, and she's like, open it. So it's a book that says The You You Are, a spiritual biography of you by Dr. Rickon Lazio Hale, PhD. And he's like, oh, it's a brother-in-law. And Milchek starts randomly reading chapter 12 on learning to be emotionally nude in front of my wife. And she's like, oh, you know, check it for messages just to be safe. Then Mark walks in and Milchek puts the book, you know, down, face down. And Mark's like, um, he's like, do you have a minute? And Milchek asks, like, did you fill out an official request so for of supervisory interaction? He sighs, no. But then Cobell's like, oh, it's fine. And she tells Milchek, she's like, close the door to my office. So he says Irving thought that they should take Helly to the perpetuity wing today. And she's like, well, it's a good thing I made Irving department chief. And Mark's like, sorry. He's like, I, I think I should take Helly and the team to the perpetuity wing. And she's like, did you fill out a common space reservation slip? And he's like, no. Um, he's like, you know, it's been weird since Petey left. He's like, I was, you know, he set the tone. And she's like, if he was a tone setter, he's, you know, he's, you're making him out to be, he'd still be here. So Mark's like, what does that mean? And she's just asked, she's like, are you going to make me throw my mug at you? And he's she's like, why would, and she picks up the mug without looking, just like throws it, but he ducks. So she's like, get MDR to its, its numbers. Uh, and then he turns to walk out and she's like, Mark, what I just did was something I knew that you could handle and grow from. It was very painful for me. I hope you let it help you. <laughs> And then she, he's like, do you want the door open or closed? And she's like, yes. So he's like, uh, I'll leave it halfway. So Dylan's talking about his delts. He feels that his Audi does muscle shows. And Irv's like, you're, if your Audi did muscle shows, you wouldn't have to work here. And Dylan's like, I'm sorry. Do you know how much muscle shows pay? He's like, no, none of us know that. He's like, I imagine it's a tiered system. Hallie's writing on post-it notes. She's like, I don't want to work here. She folds it up, sticks the end of it in a like Sharpie cap, tapes it up, pours some water. And she's like about to drink it. And Mark's like thirsty. And she's like, mm-hmm. And then he's like, he says, in case you were, were to wonder, the code detectors can read messages hidden inside your body as well. Also, when it happens, it's Milchek's job to extract the message from you. So when he asked how long ago you ingested it, it's recommended, you know, to be completely honest. It's easier for both if he knows which end to start from. So he holds out his hand in, in front of her face and she finally spits out the cap. And he's like, another good try, though. And she's like, mm hmm. And he tells her, that, you know, shut down her workstation. They're taking a trip. So the four are walking down the hall. Irving is talking nonstop. Dylan suggested they play Egan Bingo so they don't die of boredom and so they can bond, you know, with the exception of Irving. They, as they go around a corner, Bert and a lady appear. So Christopher Walken, Mark's like, optic and designs. Bert's like, macro data refinement so mark's like surprised that irv and bert know each other irv says that you know they were just admiring some lumen artwork together briefly dylan's like defensive he's like what are you doing outside your hole and the lady's like we're doing egg, egg drop challenge to keep us on our toes and you know she's holding a, a tray with like busted eggs in that so he's like i don't buy it he thinks that they're like up to something so cobell's looking for seth which i, I think seth might be milchek <clears throat> So she goes into her office and Natalie's in there with, with Milchek. So I guess Cobell's name is Harmony because she's like, oh, Harmony. And then Cobell says, it's like, oh, I wasn't expecting you. And she's like, is this about Helena, about Helly? And Natalie's like, no, this is about Peter Kilmer. So she mentions the board it will be joining them, Milchek setting up the intercom. Milchek walks out without saying a word. 
And then there's just silence. And Natalie just smiles. And then there's like slight static for an intercom. And Natalie finally says, the board would like you to speak first. So she's like, salutations. And there's no response. And then she's like, the search for Kilmer continues. More quiet static. I will say this, not to be alarmist, but prior to his departure, there were some troubling signs of possible reintegration. So the board speaks, but only in Natalie's earpiece. So she like holds up a finger to Cobell. A little rude, but then she's like, okay. So the board is conveying pretty strongly that the severance procedure is provenly irreversible and that this knowledge should be a given for a person managing a severed floor, while, of course, getting MDR, the projected numbers, by the quarterly deadline in three weeks. And then Hallie's like, yes, of course. And she mentions her nibble, nimble new refiner. And Natalie's like, the board ended the call. And Cobell's like, okay, thank you, Natalie. She's like, and may I ask? Goodbye, Harmony. And she just like walks out. So Hallie questions. She's like, there's really a two-person department? So they only see each other? And Irv's like, I imagine it must be lonely. And Dylan's like, it's unnatural. It's perverse. And Mark's like, O and D are nice. And Dylan's like, no, they're not. Nor do they share our value. And Hallie's like, how many departments are there? And Irv's says he's like, oh, five. And Dylan's like, probably 30. So they're like, you know, no one really knows. Dylan says that O&D tried a violent coup a couple decades ago, and that's why they've been reduced down to two. And that's why they keep them so far apart now. Irving's like, that's absolute fiction. And Helly's like, have they ever killed anyone? And Mark's like, no, there was no coup. No one killed anyone. Helly's like, then why don't they ever hang out? And Mark's like, well, I mean, I'm 99% sure there's no coup. Helly's like, if they come back and attack them, do you think we should kill Mark? And even though he's like right there and he's like, oh yeah. And she's like, yeah. So, you know, they think that we're crazy and have nothing to lose. And Dylan's like, yeah, that's smart. And she's like, like, I'm imagining them around rounding a corner and we're all blood soaked and I'm wearing your face. And they're like, whose face is that? And I'm like the last person who effed with us. And that's, you know, just a feeling of, you know, like a really, it feels like a really powerful image of me. And Mark's like, it seems like they'd recognize my face. And she's like, well, maybe if we wore it inside out. And she kind of smiles. So maybe she is kind of getting, you know, into working there. They reach a door. It's like dark in there. It's like darkish greenish walls instead of the white halls and, and, you know, everything. So there's like wax figures. Old dude Irving's like, um, Irving says, come now, children of my industry and know the children of my blood. So it's James Egan, the current CEO. And there's like a big quote on the wall. History lives in us, whether we learn it or not. So that's James Egan. There's this lower room and there's more like figures, like past CEOs. So Petey's still walking down the side of the road. He has a map in his hand. We hear um, the words of one of the CEOs. Uh, There's a woman CEO, the first woman at seven. Uh, She told her dad that she was going to be one. And Helly says, she's like, I wish I could remember my childhood. And Irv says that not remembering your histories makes you feel incomplete. He remembers waking up not feeling whole. Now he's working for a company that's been actively caring for mankind since 1866. So there's a bunch of close-up, uh, like black and white shots of people smiling. You know, their teeth showing. Urs says that each one represents the happiness of someone they've helped, and he's like, they rotate them in so the actual number could be in the millions. And Helly's like, so what are we like a dental company? Because <laughs> there's like all these teeth. And Urs like, no, no. He's like, you know, my point is that you're a part of history now. So they go into this other room, like the cure part or something like that it's a a perfect replica of a house they go inside and an irv is getting upset because with dylan and mark because he catches mark about to sit on kira's bed and then he finds a bingo card he's like 
he he's like, I didn't ask to be department chief or for Petey to disappear. And then they're like, where's Helly? So Helly's gone. So Helly's running down the hall and with the bingo card. Mark's like running after her. Milchek is in a conference room reading Rickon's book, looking for, you know, whatever messages. Helly reaches the door to the stairwell, but it's locked. So she grabs a fire extinguisher and she's like smashing against the window and then an alarm goes off. So she holds out the bingo card and it says like, never come back here. So she wrote it on the back. Mark pulls her back in and then her arm kind of gets cut on the glass a little bit. And then Grainer's there and tells her like this way. So he takes her to the break room. So Milchek is sitting at a table and he says that he's sorry to see her in there. So he's like treating her arm, her cut. And he was hoping that she'd start to fit in. And he's like, he knows that Mark's been trying real hard to make her happy. And she's like, look, you seem like a smart person, but don't you see how effed up this is? It's like, you keep. And he's like, not right now, Helly. He's like, sit, please. So he's like, hands on a table. So there's like these grooves for her to put her hands in there. He puts on headphones and he starts a tape recorder. And he says he's bringing up the compunction statement for Helly R. So a bright light turns on. There's like this screen with like words, like a bunch of writing under. And he tells her to read it. And she's like, I don't want to. And he's like, no, do. So she starts, forgive me for the harm I have caused the world. And so it's the same thing that Mark had to say on a recording that PD played for him last episode. Uh, Milchex looks at a reading like a lie detector test. He's like, I'm afraid you don't mean it. He's like, again, please. And Cobell's like watching from somewhere, like on a monitor or the camera. So Milchex like, again. And then she's like, really? So Mark's sitting at his desk. Dylan is going to leave for today. He asks if he wants Mark to get the lights. And he's like, yeah. So Mark pulls out the new photos. He goes into storage, gets the frames. He puts the new photos in, 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 in each frame. In the fourth um, frame, he finds Petey's map on the back of the photo. So Petey like, drew the map in there. So Petey, in the real world, he's at a convenience store. His hands are bloody. He's um, by the drinks. He says, he's like, I don't have any tokens. He's like, I haven't eaten. He's like, I need tokens so I can eat. And the cashier person is like, what are you yelling at? Mark goes up in the elevator. Um, Petey's like suddenly in pain. He walks out in the parking lot at, at his house. Mark, you know, he arrives home. He goes in the basement. He's looking for Petey. Um, he's, then he starts driving around. He sees an ambulance drive by, so he decides to follow it. Pulls into a gas station. And there's like a cop car and ambulance. He sees Petey being taken out by paramedics. And then he slowly looks up and then sees Mark. And then he like falls to his knees and then he like falls over. And then they're like, he's not breathing. So Mark gets back into his car and he leaves. So he, he goes back to the basement. He covers up the couch, puts boxes on it so it doesn't look like it's been used for a while. He hears a phone buzzing. So Petey must have dropped his phone. And then I tried looking at it couldn't read who's calling i don't know if it said blocked or if it said yeah so someone's calling pd's phone and then that's where it ends so i'm confused you know things are like building up already and you know there's there's the show's already renewed for second season so i really don't know where this is going to go and and you know what is mark going to find out what what is he going to do so I'm just, I'm so in- intrigued by this show. Okay, then Star Trek Picard is back. And uh, watching the first episode, I mean, I was I was a little hesitant. I was like, do I want to keep covering the show? And I do like it. There's things that I, I like. And, you know, I've, I've always, per, I, I think of, of all the Star Trek shows, 
I've always gravitated more towards next generation. I don't know what, what it is about it. And, you know, I did enjoy the first season. So I, I like, you know, some of the characters here, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's, it's definitely an interesting first it, episode. So it starts, there's like intruder alert on, on a ship. There's alarms. There's like security teams re- report to the bridge. The ship's under attack or something like that. There's like laser fire. Um, Picard's there and Seven, Agnes and Rios are there and he orders a self-destruct. And then the Borg Queen calls out his name and the countdown goes, you know, goes down to one. And then it, it cuts to Chateau Picard, France, 48 hours earlier. So it's like, what was that whole intro about? Like some bad stuff's happening. So we see Picard picking grapes. He's with his dog. There's people bottling the wine. He has a drink with Laris after. And you know, he's like, oh, it was a good day. And they talk about her losing, um, what's his name? Her, her, her mate, whatever. And then um, she asks why he's chosen to be alone. And he's like, well, like you, you know, he's like, I've spent my life among the stars. And she's like, what is it? What do you really want? And he says that the part of him that wants is to wait in line. It has to wait in line because, you know, there's his duty that comes first and everything like that. And she's like, what if you just, you know, stopped here now? And she like leans closer, like they're about to kiss. And then he stops. And she's like, kind of like dude like and then she's like yeah it's late you have your speech tomorrow so she leaves so he has this weird dream of like being a kid um and you hear like laris her voice like asking him why he's chose to remain alone um then the kid walks into this kind of like sunroom greenhouse or something like that this big kind of like circular room and his then his mother's there and she's like you know this could be our world you know we'll clear out the vines and we, we can even paint on the windows and then he's like will you fight less here? So I don't know if she's fighting with his dad. There's like flashes of something. And then she's like getting dragged away. So something happened there. And she says like, even if we do fight, she's like, you know, look up to the stars where, you know, voices are tiny and you can't even be heard. She's like, look up Picard or John Luke. So then it pans out all the way out to space. And then it goes, then you see there's a starship, it's USS Avalon. They've detected a spatial anomaly and there's this like green shimmery stuff in space. So Picard's back in the study. Laris comes in with his tea and she's like, it's cold because you never came together or whatever. So he's like, oh, I'm trying to find a certain, you know, this one book or whatever he describes it. And she finds it right away and he tries apologizing. He's like, last night was, and she's like, you, she's like, you were you. So at Starfleet Academy, San Francisco, Picard's giving a speech. Um, space is said to be the final frontier, but the older he gets, he believes that the true final frontier is times. You know, what we do in crisis often weighs on us less heavily than what we wish we had done. She's like, what, you know, things of what could have been time offers many opportunities, but rarely offers second chances. So he wants to honor the first fully Romulan cadet at Starfleet Academy, Elnor. So we saw him last season. So there's applause for him. And may you all go into a future free from the shackles of the past. And he goes on. He's like, I'm the last Picard, blah, 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 whatever. So then we see Seven sneaking around the ship. There's like a couple pirate aliens looking for her or something there. And she's says, you know, they're trying to steal like some medical supplies and she's with her computer hologram dude. Some, his name's Emmett. She defeats him. Obviously they're bound and transported away. And Emmett's asked her if she's ever considered a flesh and blood crew. And she's like, no. And then she sees a spatial anomaly outside and she's like, what the heck is that? So at Raritan 4 in the Beta Quadrant, Soji makes a toast. At a, she's at a long table with others. So Soji is uh, Data's daughter. Um, 
She and she says she's been traveling around since the Federation lifted the ban on synthetics. Agnes is like there too, but she's like at the bar or whatever. And then she gets a call from Rios. Things are a little awkward because I, I guess they broke things off. Soji's gonna stay to do some diplomatic stuff. Um, Rios is a captain on the USS Stargazer, and Starfleet has asked them to check out the anomaly. So Rafi is talking with Picard, and Picard says that you know he's happy to be the chancellor of Starfleet, whatever. And she's like, yeah, you know, it helps you not to not focus on yourself. So then he walks up to Elnor. So he's been assigned to the Excelsior, which is where, where Rafi's at. And um, Picard gives him a book written by Spock. It's a memoir for, because, you know, he was the first Vulcan on a Starfleet ship or something like that. So Rafi is going to be able to like watch over him. So I wonder if they're going to try to do like a spinoff or anything. So Stargazer is by the anomaly seven calls and wonders like what, what they're, they're doing there or whatever. So she's been taking care of his ship or something like that. There's this piercing signal comes from an anomaly and then Agnes analyzes, separates the signal. There's several languages at once. And it says like, help us, help us Picard. So Los Angeles Picard beams to, um, some um, historic district, whatever. He goes into his bar. So Gwynin, Whoopi Goldberg is there. And she's like, Captain Picard. And he kind of whispers, she's like, Admiral. And she's like, you'll always be captain to me. So she's like, you know, what's wrong? Or whatever. She's like, I, I figure you're not just here to talk about the old days. He's like, oh, can I just see a friend? And then so they talk. And then he somehow comes up to like mentioning you know, like love. And he says, like, oh, it's too late. That ship has sailed. She's like, no, it hasn't. And she's, says that, you know, basically he put his life at risk all the time, but, you know, not his, 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 like his heart basically. So he went into space to avoid something. She's like, you know, what happened that, you know, we've never talked about. And, you know, he doesn't answer and they just like drink some more. So then later, uh, Admiral Whitney drops in on Picard at his place for an urgent matter. They've encountered something unique in space. They would love to, to get his eyes on it. So she shows him some holo data. Then it becomes to broadcast, um, help us Picard. And she's like, that's how it began. So the balance of the message was the entirety of Article 15. So that's the entreaty to join the Federation. And she says that an entity that can open and close a hole in space-time wants to join the Federation. And apparently will only talk to Picard about it. So she hands him like a one of those communicator emblem things. So Laris arrives just as Picard leaves in his little ship. You know, he doesn't say anything to her, so she doesn't even know where he's going. He arrives at the Stargazer, and he's surprised that Seven's there. And Seven says, it's like, oh, you know, Agnes is there as well. So they walk down this hall, and it's like, as everyone, like, stands to attention when Picard comes up. And he mentions, you know, he's like, oh, the Stargazer was my first ship. And he's like, not this one, of course. And and she's not too thrilled with the ship, because she says that it's a new type that utilizes components derived from research on a Borg Cube artifact. So she just thinks that, you know, they shouldn't even be using it. So Rios is happy to see Picard and he's like, Admiral on the bridge. And then he says that this is definitely, Picard says it's definitely secret in his stargazer. Picard hails an anomaly to see if it has anything else to say to him. Uh, it's like Picard. And then there's this energy spike from across the board. So the ship starts going on alert and the ship is hit by something. And then he looks at seven and, she, and she's like, yes, Admiral, that ship is Borg. So soon, there's like an like a armada of ships like on standby, including Rafi. And Reels tells Picard 
that he's like, you're ranking officers. Like, what should we do? And Picard's like, I'm not sure. He's like, this could be the turning point in history. And Seven's like, the board consumes. They assimilate. They don't ask to be assimilated. So Agnes like, well, you know, we should be cautious, but this is unique. It's like the Borg we knew is effectively decimated, you know, functionally hobbled. Rio's like, well, you know, it could be that they decide to change tactics. And Seven's like, absolutely. Then Agnes says, it's like, they could be putting a bullet in the greatest ally the Federation has ever known. And Picard's like, precisely. And Seven can't believe what she's hearing. She's like, the Borg have wiped out entire races, killed tens of millions, including my parents. And she's like, you know, if I'm wrong, we destroy a Borg ship. If I'm right, then, you know, today is the beginning of the end of the Federation. Then they're, they're hailing them again. The voice is like, there's no more time. It's like, we will begin negotiation with Picard alone. So they say they will send an emissary and they'll offer their queen. And Rios like, there's there's no way that he's letting them on board his ship. So he orders the shields up. Then he gets an incoming transport signal, um, alert, alert, like organic synthetic components consistent with the Borg. So he's like, the queen's actually coming. So Seven's like, He's like, don't wait until it's too late. Fire. And Rios hails them to cease transport attempt or they will be fired upon. And she just kind of like rolls her eyes. So like, that's not what I said. So they continue anyways. The transport signal is penetrating their shields and it's coming to the bridge because they're like, where, you know, where is it beaming to? to sec- so Rios orders security to the bridge. A figure arrives. It's like kind of almost looks like a helmet, like a cape or whatever. Agnes is like, oh, that's new. And the so does, if that's the queen, she's like, we wish for peace, but first we require. And then Rios is like, what? You know, he gets up and then this like tentacle thing pops out of her shoulder and another one. And she's like, power. And then they like jam into the computers and seven starts shooting, but she has like some sort of force field. Others start like shooting. And then the, the, the blasts are like bouncing back at them. But it's weird because seven didn't get hit, but all these other nobodies red shirts are getting hit. Rios orders like cease fire, cease fire. But they keep shooting. Seven's like the queen is stunning them, not killing. And the computer's like isolinear fragmentation detective command mode corruption. So the, the bridge is um, controlling transfer. And the other idiots are still firing at the queen. Seven's like, the queen is assimilating the ship. And Agnes is like, not just our ship, the entire fleet. It's like she's using the, the ship as a hub. So she's getting all the component codes for all their ships. Reels yells the sh- all the ships to fire on the Borg vessel. Unfortunately, they've been locked out of their comms, so they can't hear anything. Seven tells Picard that she's like, they can't have our armada. Assimilation at this point is at 80%, goes up to 85%. So Picard tells the computer, he's like, activate auto-destruct sequence. So then it's awaiting his final command. You're at 90% now. If it reaches 100, it's too late. So Picard gives authorization. The sequence is activated. Countdown, 10, 9, 8. The queen starts talking and tells Picard, she's like, look up, which is what his mom said. And then it goes down to one explosion. Picard is dead. Seven's dead. Rios is dead. They're all dead. But then Picard wakes up on the floor, like leaning against a wall, like at that like greenhouse room. He still has his uniform on, goes into the house, looks at it like a painting himself on a wall. I'm not sure if it was different, like if it's like a fiery background or something like that. He calls out for Laris, this like robotic dude, whatever comes out asking, he's like, oh, did you want your tea? And he's like, who the hell are you? He's like, I'm Harvey. And he's like, what's, you know, and he's he asked for, like, he's like, where's Laris? And he's like, Laris, is that's a Romulan. And he's whatever else, stuff like that. So he's like, what's happening here? And then a voice says, excellent question, John Luke, mon capitan. 
He's like, how? I've missed you. So it's Q. Picard's like, no, 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 no. And Q's like, my, you've gotten older. Let me catch up. Snaps his finger, then he's older, which is convenient because the actor's older too, obviously. So he's like, there, now we're even. And Picard curses him and Q's like, do you recall what I said the last time when we parted ways? The trial never ends. And Picard's like, what the heck are you doing here? And Q's like, you've been talking a lot about second chances. Well, welcome to the very end of the road, not taken. So Picard, I think, you know, he they all died. And Q decided to come in and reset things to give Picard a glimpse at a different life or something. So we'll see how, I mean, that's what the trailer made it look like that, you know, it's kind of like, like, well, what if, you know, so Picard can explore different things that could be interesting. I, I don't know. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I do love the idea. I, I still, you know, I'm glad they did it last season. I'm glad they're, they're still doing it. The idea of like seven and Picard, like merging, you know, since they're from different shows. So I, I think that that's cool. And I feel like there's a lot of potential, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see how the season goes. Okay, and now for the movie feature, The Batman. What I have to say, what I will say, I really, really like the movie. And I don't know. I mean, I, I guess what I, I'm a little concerned with is, is it like just, did I hype it up for myself? Because, you know, I've said that in the past where sometimes it's good to kind of let a movie sink in, kind of think about it. And, you know, if possible, see it a second time, which I don't know if I'm going to see that anytime soon, right away. Anytime soon, right away. But I, I just really enjoyed it. And I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Robert Pattinson. I mean, he's, he's an amazing actor. And, you know, you don't just base it off of Twilight. You know, you, want, you should definitely look at other movies that he's done. I mean, he has a lot of range and, you know, he's he's very impressive he's he's got acting skills you know, there's no no doubt about it but this whole just approach to it and what i like is you know it's not a batman year one it's basically batman year two so we have a you know we don't have like a fresh out of water batman you know he he's got a little experience but he is still pretty new so there's you know times when he's fight you know he gets in a lot of fights and he definitely holds up his own but he's not like an unstoppable force where like no one can you know lay a finger on him you know he's gonna take some hits he gets shot he gets get knocked knocked down and stuff like that so I I like the fact that we still have this early enough Batman but again you know he he's already he's got skills i mean he's he's showing his his brilliance you know with when it comes to like riddlers um riddles you know able to answer them right away and his his detective skills is it's just very impressive and just this detect that he has and it's it's not like so like over the top like in bvs or whatever and just these crazy tanks and stuff it's like how the heck do you even get all this stuff so i i feel like it's just a, a really good overall impression and i'm I'm really trying to again I'm, you know trying to think about this without you know, trying to filter out am i just like just so excited the fact that we finally have a batman movie because yeah i love ben affleck i just didn't like the snyderverse is, is what it comes down to i mean i i feel like it was too pretentious you know too much slow motion stuff and it's just the fact that you know Batman killing people left and right is like that's just makes zero sense. The fact that Batman, Batman, a character, if you've read any of the comics, you know he despises guns. 
his parent his were killed by a gun and yet in the snyder verse he's got like cannons on his gun he's just like shooting people left and right and and i'm not just talking about the parademons like he's shooting all the criminals in like the warehouse or whatever so it's just just absolutely ridiculous so this is a little you know it's more grounded and it just it feels better you know seeing him like this and then you know you look at i i don't even i don't even have a plan with how i'm discussing this i'm not really going through the movie but and then you look at his portrayal of bruce wayne and i like that this is a different version of bruce wayne it makes a little more sense because the the whole idea of bruce wayne being like a a rich playboy and you know kind of like dim not not necessarily dim-witted but you know just callous or whatever that seems like it would still be a lot of work to try to keep up. And we've seen some, some different, you know, story. Like I think it might've been, was it the long Halloween animated movie? I don't remember if it was in a comic or not, but long Halloween, you know, there is a moment where he's Bruce is being interviewed and there's a woman, you know, with him or whatever. And, you know, he, she was just basically paid to be there or something like that. So with Bruce Wayne here, he's a little more of a recluse where you, you, that happens sometimes, you know, you, you got your rich weirdo dudes that just, you know, they don't really care to talk to people or anything like that. So I like the idea of him just wanting to be on his own. And, you know, he, he'll talk to the accountants or whoever, if he has to, but, you know, I, so I, I, I like that idea that this is, you, you can see that, that Bruce is a little more tortured. So while he may not be putting up this completely false, you know, bumbling, happy-go-lucky persona, he's just kind of keeping to himself. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, he's he's not that concerned with keeping up that aspect of it. You know, he he is vengeance. You know, he wants to cure the city of the criminal activity. And that that's his main focus. So he's not going to spend the time or effort to try to make, you know, Bruce Wayne a more realistic character or something like that um alfred was good you know, we, we don't really get enough of him so you know that, that's maybe in the next movie i guess and let's see what about uh selena kyle so zoe kravitz is good so i, I like zoe kravitz you know and the stuff that, that she's been you know, even that kimmy movie which could have been way better and uh, she was she was good in it for for what it was. I mean, just the way she portrayed the character with you know all, whatever. And um, High Fidelity, I love that show. I wish it had a second season. So she, when I saw she was cast as Catwoman, I'm like, okay, that's cool. But I was like, do we really need Catwoman again? It's like we've seen Catwoman twice already in, in the in the movies. It's like there are so many other characters, but Catwoman is obviously a big important character. That being said she does a great job just carrying herself with the characters kind of has like this unspoken attitude that just the way she just walks and care and just, so I, I, I really liked the way she, she portrayed the character. So I, I thought that was great. And when we see her kind of like in a civilian guys, like setting up her, it's not, it's not secret identity, but you know, when, what she's trying to do and everything, the way she goes about. So I, I just really like that. And, you know, there are some action scenes with her. We see, you know, Catwoman using her whip and all that. So I, I thought that was, was really good. So I, I, I like what they did with her. Um, okay. Paul Dano. Yes. Yes. We should talk about him. Um, 
Well, so I don't know. I'm trying to think. I don't think I, I'm overly familiar with what he's done. So I'm kind of looking at what like other stuff. You know, he's he's been in a lot of things. So as far as him as a Riddler, so I, this is something I, I've been thinking. About. I've, I've probably been kind of thinking a little bit more about this than the other stuff. Because at first, when I, when I when you know after as I'm watching the movie and at the end, I was like, I really didn't like Riddler. I was like, I was like, ugh, you know, I just did not care for him at all. But I think the reason I didn't care for him is because of the performance. So it wasn't that it wasn't done well that he didn't give a good performance. I think he gave such a good performance that I just didn't like the character because he is. He's not a nice guy. I mean, he's he's a villain. He's and he's unbalanced, and you know he's killing people. So of course I'm not going to like him. What it, so what I what I realized is the reason I didn't like him is because he's a horrible person or a horrible character. You know, so I think that that says something. The the, the fact that you know we're not supposed to like him, and then uh, we have. Um, Jeffrey Wright as a commissioner. And, you know, I'll admit when I heard that he was cast as a commissioner, it's, it's like, because I guess the question is, was he, did he give the best audition? And it's possible because he, he's, he's a, he's a great actor. You know, the, the stuff that he's, he's done that I've seen him in, I haven't seen like all his stuff, but I've seen him in a lot of different things and he's been really good. So I don't know if they purposely like let's cast a black actor or if it's just like okay let's cast whoever is 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 awesome and they cast him cuz so he does do a good job and since this is year 2 it's not he's not commissioner gordon you know he's 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 not a, like a, a beat cop but you know he still has people to answer to but he's working with batman so some you know other people on the force they're not going to be too happy with that but He's not going to let that stop him. So even though he can get in trouble, you know, he's he still wants to work with Batman because, from whatever experiences they've had in this the last two years or of their lives, you know, obviously he's learned to trust and respect Batman. So it's almost like, you know, what what's the story there? You know, how when did they first meet up? Like, but there's obviously some connection there. So that's a it's 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 a good thing. So he he does he does a good job and uh, he you know takes a lot of risks and there's just just some some cool moments with him. Colin Farrell as a as, as a penguin, I'm I'm just so I'm amazed with him because that that it's like you look at him it's like if if I mean maybe it's just me but if I didn't know that was him it's like I I wouldn't have realized I'm like wait that that's is Colin Farrell right so. I'm really curious to see what they do with the HBO Max show with with Penguin. Uh, I won't give any ideas or thoughts about you know based on off of what happens in the movie. You know whether it's a prequel or a sequel. I think uh, or not a sequel, but I think it should definitely happen after this movie to see like where Penguin goes from here, like what he's going to do. So it, it, it's he does a good job, and again, this is a, a Penguin who has been around you know he's amassed uh, you know some sort of power but he's not like unstoppable you know there are other people like above him so uh it, it should be interesting to see where he goes from there and then uh we have john Turturro 
So he, he does a good job. So just like overall, it, it's everyone. It's, it's a great, great casting choice. And um, they just do a really good job there. As far as Gotham City, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think because I, I know some people are not like super crazy about the movie. I, I've seen little bits like on Facebook or, or, or Twitter. Some people that some people come are kind of complaining about it, even though they haven't seen the movie. And I think there's some people who, whether they're officially boycotting it because the Snyder, whatever, or Ray Fisher people are saying that you should boycott it, or you know, some people are like, you know, we've seen this already with you know Christopher Nolan movie, but I, I still feel it's different. I mean, I love those movies, but I I love this one. I think I think I might have to love this one more. And again, maybe it's just because it's it's fresh, but I might have to rank this as like my favorite Batman movie. So what we see of Gotham, I'm I'm trying to think about it. And again, this is where like a second viewing might be helpful. But if it feels like we see enough of Gotham, it's raining a lot, so it's dark a lot. You know, we don't obviously we're not going to see Gotham so much during the day. There's a couple times it's it's kind of bright out, but I feel like they they do a good job setting the mood. And because even like the way the movie begins, you know, we we kind of see like a lot of criminal activity and you know part of the thing is you know when batman's talking you know he's the whole idea of like instilling fear in people where you know they don't know where batman's going to show up and like when they see the bat signal uh, which i think is still fairly new you know they, they start freaking out they start realizing like oh crap you know batman you know he could be in the shadows or he is the shadows you know so they kind of start second guessing like what they're doing and they're like well you know maybe I shouldn't be doing this and and so forth. So I, I think that it that was a good way to establish how things are set up and everything. I'm just jump into the music. So the uh, Michael Gian and Chino does the, the the music, and I just love that Batman theme. It's like it just gets stuck in my head, and it's almost like the same thing throughout. So I don't know. I haven't looked at like the the full like album score, like if there's different variations of it. But it's like we hear it so many times, and it's just throughout the movie. And I I I'm glad it wasn't a movie. It wasn't just in like the one trailer, the the teaser thing. So that was really good. They also use you know something in a way right Nirvana in there. And I love it. I, I am, I'm a huge fan of Nirvana. And I don't know if, if I've really heard a lot of Nirvana songs in other movies. I, I, I feel like it hasn't really been licensed. It's been controlled enough that, you know, whoever holds, I don't know if it's just Courtney Love or if Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic, if they are all in control and just like, they're just careful. You know, they're not just going to let anyone use their, their music, which is how it should be. So I, I love that it's in here because it's just it's the way the music starts just the whole music of the song is just, just kind of like this vibe to it and everything like that my only problem with, with that is once Kurt Cobain start, you know once the vocals start up there's like other people talking throughout the movie so it's almost like they're you know you got two audios on top of each other which you can hear one from the other but it's almost like it's a little distracting um so that was my only only problem with it because you know if you're gonna have music while someone's talking it's usually just music, but at the same time I I just thought it was was really really good. There's um a scene like a car chase with the Batmobile and that Batmobile was amazing I I loved it and it was just it was it was just it was crazy it's just like just high speed chase in the rain and, and through traffic and things just get get 
get crazy. Um, Batman's fight scenes are just nuts. You know, you see in a trailer when he's just like just going. There's one time, spoiler. There's one part where he's just he hits someone. I I I think it was like 13 times. I was like counting like one, two, three, four. I was just like holy. It's like that if he was punching him in the face, his face would be mush. And 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 to to clarify things, it's not like Superman's like or Superman. <laughs> Oops, spoil. No, I'm kidding. Superman's in it. Um, it's uh, not that Batman is going around punching people, like slam punching people 13 times in a row. There's a reason that he hits this guy thirteen, you know, it, it, whatever. So he's he, while he's violent, he's not like crazed violent like that all the time. And he doesn't have like most people. He just hits them once and they're they're done. And his his suit, you know, it's it's obviously it, it's armor because he's getting shot at times, and you know, it's it's not affecting him. But also, he's getting hurt. You know, he, he is slightly injured. He's got some scars. There was one part I like where he's like on a rooftop, and you know, he's like running out, and then he like he's like whoa. Because you know he's on the edge and he's realized he's super high up. So I like that because again, it's a Batman that, you know, he does have confidence, but it's still this is still new for him. And you know he's just like, holy crap, I'm like way up high and I could die from this, but you know I need to jump off this building. So there's just a, a lot of a lot of cool moments and everything, and uh, just just so the story I, I think was good. You know. I, how does it compare to others? Is there unique? What I, I I liked it. I thought it was good. And there's just like overlapping things. My my concern in the beginning was the fact that okay, we we have Batman and Alfred, and then we have Catwoman, we have Riddler, we have uh, Carmine Falcone, we have um, Penguin. So it's almost like I was like, man, there's there's gonna be too many characters in this movie. But I think it works out. The three hour runtime, I personally don't feel like it was too long i think with all the different pieces it actually kind of fleshed it out so it's kind of comparable if like if you're binging a show on netflix which you know how i feel about that but let's say you're you know you're gonna watch like several episodes in a row it's kind of like that where the story kind of veers in different angles so it's not just like one battle against the joker you know or one battle against mr freeze or you know whatever whoever the villain of the month is it's not in this movie it's not just batman fighting riddler trying to solve his his murder spree or whatever there are enough other things that intertwine with it that kind of fill things up so i i feel like that makes it a little more realistic that there's you know different things you know different wheels spinning at the same time and you know batman has to deal with this all this other stuff along with the, the police force who doesn't really trust this costume vigilante you know so I, th- I thought it was really good. I I've seen like a a couple reviews, you know, just like little snippets, like based on Rotten Tomatoes. I've seen people like like oh, you know, they could have probably cut like 15, 20 minutes. I'm I'm okay with it. You know, I I think if people are willing to binge six episodes, you know, six hours on Netflix or ten hours, on, you know, what a three hour movie is like nothing compared to that. So I I I thought it was it was fine and. I, it's it's just a way for us to get immersed in this world and you know, you just really just embrace it and get into it and because like when are we gonna possibly get a, a sequel to this it's gonna be a while so give me as much batman as you can right now and i'll be happy so um i think that kind of covers everything else you know because obviously i'm not going to go into other other details but 
the the movie it looks like the it reportedly has a 185 to 200 million dollar budget at my theater it's like playing like everywhere um the reports it's projected to gross 100 to 140 million on opening weekend and around 340 to 540 for its total domestic box office uh, opening weekend so i guess that's for the week tickets for the advanced imax screenings sold out within a day on february 8th um, the film made 17.6 million from thursday night previews with an additional 4 million from tuesday and wednesday advanced screenings in south korea it opened to 1.7 million the biggest opening in a country since or biggest opening since in 2022 and um it's earned 5.3 million in eight countries it's um also not going to be showing in russia warner brothers is like yeah we're it's like you're going to be mean poo poo heads and attack other people you're you don't get to watch batman i guess so and um it's going to be the first superhero film released in china since wonder woman 1984 so, yeah, that's the the Batman, and you know, there's supposed to be a Gotham City Police Department series on HBO Max. I'm not sure when that's coming out, and then uh, we got the Penguin series coming. So, it's good. I enjoyed it, and um, yeah, I I definitely want to see it again. Will I go see it in a theater again? I'd like to. I don't know if I will, because yeah, we'll see. But I'm I'm definitely as soon as it's it's out on 4K, I'm I'm it's I'm buying it. So you should definitely see it. It, it was really good. And, and that that's all I have to say. So that's going to be it. So that's the end of the podcast. Big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week just started talking about 1987's uh, Superman by John Byrne so you can hear about some classic Superman stories Clark Kent has a secret identity first his first meeting with Metallo Lex Luthor's evil businessman so it's a lot of cool stuff but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or five that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck so what is going to be next week so we have more snowpiercer superman lois um i'm not you know i i meant to look it up i don't know i don't think that was the last episode of servant it felt like it could be but maybe it doesn't seem like it's gonna be seven episodes i i should look that up okay i just looked it up so yeah there's uh 10 episodes in season so so yeah so we'll get more of that more uh severance i guess more star trek um the movie feature i'm not really sure so there's not anything opening next week but turning red pixar movie is going to be on disney plus i don't know if that's i mean maybe that'll be i don't know if that'll be the, the big movie feature there's also uh the foo fighters movie um i forget what it's called uh which I didn't think my local theater was showing it, but I might go see that like maybe tomorrow. So I may talk about that next week as too. I'm, I'm kind of curious. We'll see if I make it to the theater to see that there's only a couple showings like at night because 
everything else is the Batman. So, so I need to see it before they squeeze that out. But yeah, it's, that's going to be it. I'm not, I'm not sure if anything shows, uh, I don't know if the flash is starting next week, maybe. So we'll see. So there'll be plenty to talk about. So go see the Batman. If you haven't see it again, it's, it's definitely worth seeing. You need to see it. I, I, like I said, I love the movie. So, and I love you for listening to the show. So thank you. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a great week or going to have a great week. And I hope you remember to be good to each other. 